Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorization number TP slash 01005. Here's some tips for maintaining your Trex deck. Um, Occasionally wash it with some soapy water or a pressure cleaner. Trex composite decking is low maintenance and won't fade, splinter or warp. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. Local Polaris dealer today. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Morena, New Zealand. Good morning to you all on this uh, Wednesday morning. Fine day in Hawke's Bay. I can tell you looking out the window. hope it's uh, a really good one for you somewhere. Uh, sometime uh, today we've uh, got a really busy show. A really busy show, in fact. Uh, we've got to Nigel Avery, the chef de mission, coming into us uh, just after uh, the sermon this morning. Of course, uh, his first uh, big job going forward to the Commonwealth Games, 99 days away. So he'll be getting... Uh, a little bit nervous, I would imagine, about what's coming up. We'll uh, check in with Nigel very shortly. Hugh Bainan has a couple of basketball leagues getting towards uh, the serious side of playoffs and one about to start off. Uh, so Hugh Bainan with uh, with all the information there. Our great mate Andrew Mertens from across the Tasman, bearing in mind, of course, that uh, Super Rugby becomes a trans-Tasman issue from this weekend. So uh, Mertz will be with us just after 10 o'clock. The panel is Jamie Wall and Alex Chapman this morning. Uh, we'll also have uh, Storm Purvis just after 11 o'clock. Of course, she is our netball expert. So pretty busy as we go through to midday when Staffy will take over. Sport is our religion. And here is Smithy's Sermon. Well, the clock is ticking. Open up your window. You'll probably hear it. It's ticking very loudly at the headquarters of uh, New Zealand Rugby and New Zealand Cricket. Our two highest profile sports have personnel issues to address in high profile positions. Both hierarchies will be scrambling around sourcing opinions, reviews in mind as to who will be leading the respective campaigns for women's rugby and women's cricket going forward. And forward is not too far away. Women's Rugby World Cup uh, starts on October the 22nd. The Commonwealth Games or the Women's Cricket Next Big big Mission is uh, July 28th. Yep, that's right, just 99 days away. They both have one thing in common. They neither seem to have an obvious candidate, do they? That must be the case because we have heard by now. Cricket in particular have had plenty of time to start anew, but not a peak. True, their problems uh, from the outside looking in don't appear so deep-seated as their winter cousin, but the rumblings from within, if they are significant ones, have been kept just there, within. And because it's not on home soil and because there hasn't been such a rigmarole about their failings, they have less pressure. A medal in Birmingham would be a great achievement for the cricket girls. Quite the improvement. It won't be gold, they've already handed that out. But they they appoint a woman as head coach, it will be out of necessity they have to come from overseas because there doesn't appear to be a local option here at home. If they appoint a man, he would want to be very clear about his boundaries. There are now 
some very definite lines in the sand. It's a minimum 300k job a year for me, probably more. Whoever gets it, that's probably not enough to lure the best either. God only knows who would want the rugby gig. Now there's a role which comes with huge amounts of peripheral pressure all of a sudden, and not just the scoreboard. The reviews and the reviewers have guaranteed that. Put a figure on that if you please. I couldn't bother coming to a conclusion uh, when it came to the amount you'd need for that job. And here's one to ponder. When Wayne Smith and Sir Graham Henry agreed to come in as consultants for the Black Ferns campaign, did they expect they would be working with Glenn Moore? And what role or say do they have in appointing his successor? There's a real need to sort out these issues, put some fires out, and quickly, because the Tissos and the Rolexes at HQ are beginning to sound like Big Ben. Well, 2022 has and continues to be a massive year for fans of Kiwi sport. We had the Winter Olympics, of course. We've had World Cups uh, galore already and coming up. And amongst all of that, of course, is a very important appointment in Birmingham. It's the Commonwealth Games set to begin in July and just 99 days away until they commence. Uh, It's not long, really, when you start to uh, look at all the international competition left for those eyeing up a spot on the New Zealand team. And joining us now on uh, SENZ in the mornings is Chef de Mission Nigel Avery. Of course, Nigel Avery has a great background in Commonwealth Games and Olympics. Two Commonwealth Golds, uh, one silver, of course, uh, and appearance at the Olympic Games. So, Nigel, uh, good morning to you. Uh, Thanks very much uh, for joining us this morning. Good morning, Ian. It's a pleasure. Uh, Look, hey, uh, I imagine Thursday, 28th of July has been on your calendar for a while and it's got a big ring around it and it's not too far away, mate. It's sneaking up on us quite quickly, it is, yeah. As, as the early part of the year always does in New Zealand, you sort of come back from holidays and all of a sudden the next minute you're kind of looking at a third of the year has gone or a quarter and, uh, and we're staring down, as you say, 99 days you know, till the opening ceremony. So it's, uh, there's plenty to do. Nigel, your last visit, of course, uh, to a Commonwealth Games um, in the in the UK was a really successful one. Two golds and a silver. Uh, good memories. Oh, extremely good, fine memories. Yeah, it um, yeah it was the end of my career, and um, yeah, to, to go out like that was uh, was was pretty amazing. Um, you know, Commonwealth Games mean a lot to New Zealand, and uh, although you know the standard in, in many events is maybe not as high as you know World Champs or, or Olympic Games, they certainly are in, in, in many as well, and. Uh, and I think you know New Zealanders are proud to see um, our athletes performing with distinction and, and, and pride, and um, just an amazing opportunity for me personally now to sort of give back to that and, and help others, um, you know, try and achieve their goals and dreams. Well, you were appointed late last year, Nigel. Um, can you just briefly sum up the role for us? What your expectations are of you in that role as as, as pertains to the event? Yeah, I guess I'm the I guess the, the figurehead, the team leader. Um, so I'm, I'm the spokesperson for the team. If, if things go you know really well, it's it's all on the athletes and what they've done. If, if they go badly, I'm in the gun, as it were. <laughs> so um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm a I'm a cheerleader for the team. You know, we've got um, you know building on what um, what Rob and others have done. Uh, the team Anaki, um, 
uh, is very, very strong. And, and so one of my key roles is to make sure that carries on and, and to grow that that feeling of positivity within the team. Um, and, and basically, you know, sort of help and assist um, as much as, as I can um, the wider support group uh, to make sure that, you know, we provide an amazing environment for the athletes to uh, to be in, in in Birmingham. How many athletes are you envisaging at this stage? Have, the, have you got a sort of a ballpark figure? Yeah, we do have a ballpark. It's going to be sort of around sort of, sort of 230, 240. Obviously, there's, there's um, uh, you know, selection and qualification still going on and, and will do right up you know, almost into the eleventh hour, sort of, um, sort of into June, when the, the sort of the larger team sports um, are finalised. So, you know, sort of rugby, hockey, nipple, uh, and between now and then, there's there's kind of an avalanche of, of of sports that are you know have their nomination criteria dates. Uh, they'll come up and uh, they'll put forward their teams to the NZOC selectors. Um, so we expect a team size of you know in total you know around that 400 mark. So there's a lot of you know support that goes in behind. Each of the you know the national sporting organisations, um, the you know coaching administration, um, you know things like you know bike mechanics and you know doctors and medical and, and whatnot, and then the, the team itself provides uh, another layer of support over the top of that. So that's you know ranging from from the health you know services, massage, physio, you know doctor, psychology, um, athlete services, which is you know getting the sort of the more recently retired athletes to sort of um, mentor the the current crop. Um, and then, and I guess the NZOC uh, team uh, with their communications and um, and athlete services are you know very very important as well. How many sports, Nigel, will feature New Zealand uh, participants? Uh, we're looking at, at twenty one sports. Um, unfortunately, table tennis could have been the twenty second, but due to you know the unavailability of of uh, being able to travel for them to actually you know meet um, other com- uh, you know. Competitors um, and competitions, they just couldn't couldn't meet the um, the criteria that they'd agreed with the NZOC, so they've they've decided and elected to withdraw, which is a shame. But um, you know, really importantly, the um, uh, women's cricket um, is, is the first time um, in there, which is very exciting. And um, you know, 21 sports out of a program is uh, is very strong representation from you know what would be probably our second largest team going to a Commonwealth Games after the largest would have been um, from the Gold Coast four years ago. So logistically, uh, when I, I look at a team like that, I mean, I've been away in, in teams where a manager has had pulled his hair out of time looking after 13, 14 people. So that amount of people, what kind of team uh, do you have under you? I mean, do you... Do you um, do you just sort of say delegate it out to the individual sports to make those uh, travel arrangements and things like that, or or do you oversee that? And and how many people un, under you as such? Yeah, so the NZOC has got a, a permanent um, roster of um, of staff members that basically do all the all the logistical um, you know lead work and heavy lifting. And so there's a there's a core group of sort of you know half a dozen or so that specifically focus on games preparation and games time so ranging from logistics of um, you know filling containers to go sea freight you know with all the you know strength and conditioning equipment all the massage tables all that extra extra bits and pieces that you don't want to carry on um, or check in the hold of a plane um, that, that goes early so all those logistics 
and then logistics of transportation, um, getting people there um, in the right time. So that that's all um, run through the NZOC and liaising with um, you know counterparts at each each of the sports. But as far as you know the day to day management, there you know clearly on the ground we're we're um, you know running around organising stuff. But there's a lot of um, you know, expectation on behalf of sports as well for their management to. Um, you know, to to join us and, and making sure things run smoothly. So it's a combined approach. Nigel, we're just so used to in the last two or three years looking at world events, those ones that have been able to go ahead, governed by pretty strict COVID protocols, masks, etc. You know, not not a great deal of mixing in villages and that. We've sort of become used to that kind of lifestyle. How free, and I, I use that word in inverted commas, how free do you envisage the Commonwealth Games in Birmingham are going to be? Yeah, it's a it's a good question, and um, the having meetings, um, Zoom meetings with organisers, and with a small delegation that went up um, a few weeks ago. You know, they are taking COVID very seriously, and I guess the the challenge is going to be it's in an environment where the UK is is free of pretty much all restrictions. It's it's a it's back to normal, as it were. Whereas um, you've got situations where there's teams arriving from around the Commonwealth, which Perhaps may have not had the same, you know, vaccination protocols or availability of, of vaccines, um, and so potentially they they will arrive into the village. Um, everybody has to do a test; you've got to test negative. Um, but you know, maybe they're not as protected as say we are. And so the challenge for us is making sure that you know, obviously we respect those other athletes and teams. But the biggest challenge is making sure people can get to the start line, as it were, because if um, an athlete does test positive, they will be put into isolation for a period at the moment, are they saying, of seven days. So for most sports, that's pretty much curtains. You know, you come out after seven days and I guess, you know, potentially your event's happened. Um, And if it hasn't, then you're not going to be in great shape um, after sitting in a a hotel room for seven days. So it's going to be a real challenge and we're kind of looking at that at the moment. Um, The organising committee will come out with their, I guess, their roadmap of, of what their final COVID um, plan is in May, and uh, once we see that, we'll be able to overlay what you know what we want to do. But you know, the challenge for us is making sure every New Zealand athlete can get to that start line in good shape, healthy, um, and clearly they can't do it if they if they have tested positive. For the bulk of people looking on at things like Commonwealth Games and Olympic Games, the currency basically is either gold, silver, or bronze, and that's how we we tend to uh, review a campaign and look at the overall success. What about you um, in this role? Yeah, that, that's a really good question as well. And um, you know, perhaps if you'd asked me that, you know, prior to getting it, I would have, I would have said, yeah, that's what it's all about, gold, silver, bronze. But at the same time, you know, I will look back on my um, experiences at, at games, and you know, clearly at Commonwealth, I did achieve those podium moments. But if you asked me what my best result and most memorable, it would have been at the Sydney Olympics, where on the day I finished 18th. Um, eventually promoted to 17th because the bronze medalist um, had a few more extra sprinkles on his cornflakes than than, than was allowable. <laughs> and uh, and but for me, you know, I, I achieved all personal best. I could not have done any better. And and so any athlete that can do their best on a in an environment like this, which is different from competing at home or locally, um, you know, for me that's you know that's that's their achievement. And and um, you know. I recognise them for that. So it's it's more than standing on the podium. It's 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 absolutely doing your best um, because no one can ask for more than that. 
Nigel, uh, one of the, I think, victories before it's even started is uh, for the athletes in particular, uh, is going to be atmosphere. Uh, it looks like, you know, a lot of these venues will be chocker. Um, the athletes uh, who have missed out on atmosphere uh, in the in the Olympic Games, the Winter Olympic Games, are actually going to get some live uh, appreciation of what they do. I think that's going to be one of the highlights, isn't it? Oh, look, I, I think certainly will. And 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 people in, in the United Kingdom, they they love sport. They they truly love sport. And so, you know, some games, you know, you know, renter crowd is sort of bust in to fill stadium. Where the, these are legitimate fans, and you're quite right. It will be incredible atmospheres, um, particularly if you're a, uh, an English competitor. But uh, they will obviously get the loudest cheers. But so our goal is to try and um, endear uh, the New Zealand team uh, to the English public. So uh, we're not far behind. Okay, uh, let's look at uh, some of the uh, the sports. Of course, you'll have a vested interest in the weightlifting side of things. Uh, what is our current state of weightlifting in this country? Looking perhaps at prospects. Well, I mean, compared to when I was, um, you know, throwing bars around, um, it's been extremely deep. It's un- unbelievable um, as a comparison. Just night and day, the number of competitors, the number of um, administrators putting their hands up to, you know, to, to help out and, and, and grow the sport. Um, and you can see some of that coming through in its talent. And, and clearly, you know, David Leite, um is, is driving that. Um, incredible athlete. Um, I remember Tina Ball, his coach, sent me a, a video of him as a as quite a, a youngster, and I looked. Oh my God, he's going to be the best New Zealand weightlifter will ever produce, and that's what turned out to be. He's a, he's a man mountain, and uh, and he's on a bit of a mission. So um, he's going to be exciting to watch. What sport, uh, perhaps? Would you have you got one individual one which you're really looking forward to? Um, I haven't really stopped to think about that too much. Um, I'm kind of, um, kind of my lens is quite broad. Um, looking at, at everything, but um, mm. I, I guess I'll be in a pretty um, amazing position to, to have a, a bit of a free run of what I can go and and watch and who I support. Um, and I suppose I'll be spreading myself um, as, as much around as I can. But it's like it's like the first time you see a, a sport up and live, you you really really get a chance to appreciate it and um, and really value the, the efforts that people put in. And I remember you know watching you know the Black Six play for the first time live, and was in Manchester after I'd finished and went to watch um, play the I think it was the females playing um, the women's playing England, and I just could not believe how much they ran and they ran and ran and ran. I thought, my God, these these people are so supremely fit. But it was only by going to watch it that I actually got a chance to appreciate it more. And so, I guess I'm, you know, to answer your question, I'm, I'm looking forward to, you know, to seeing more sports up live that I haven't had a chance to in the past. Um, it'd be uh, an interesting question to ask me afterwards. <laughs> yeah, well, actually, which one you enjoyed the most? Uh, the the one yeah. that, uh, where there was gold hanging around the neck. Just finally, um, and it's come to the fore of lot late, and, and you will have noticed this, and particularly in your role now. Uh, for for a lot of uh, athletes, this is the pinnacle of their life, their, their sporting life, uh, and and that, with that comes success or failure. And <clears throat> we have this increasing um, subject, uh, I guess it's fair to say, the mental health and well-being of athletes being at the forefront of conversation today. I mean, uh, it, you'd have to be um, pretty naive not to notice it in sports places these days. So, uh, is 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 that something you've had to focus on as well? Um, you know, failure. Uh, success, failure, FOMO, the fear of missing out, etc. Those things. 
Yeah, it is, and um, it's something that we're, we're talking about as a group. Um, that a lot of effort, you know, goes in advance of these these big meets. You know, um, you know, years before them, you know, there's lots of activity happening, um, and all the planning, and obviously delivery at games time. There's a, there's a huge amounts of um, effort put in there, and there's there's songs and dances and, and celebrations and, and whatnot. And I think probably what we're not so good at is post-event and um, just making sure people are okay. And whether, that, whether that's, they've come off a win or maybe not a win, um, and it's, it's certainly become more apparent that, and, and, and I think you ask any recent retired athlete uh, or any athlete that's retired that you do go through a bit of a, a struggling patch when you sort of stop competing, um, whether you've been at the top of your field or, or not. And so... I think the main important thing is that people are realising that that's a real thing, and um, we, you know, we're going to hopefully put in place some steps that, you know, we can connect with athletes after the event just to check in to make sure you know they are going all right. Because at the end of the day, it, it is a big thing. It means a lot to athletes, um, but it, it shouldn't define them as people. It's just something that they're doing. They're very good at clearly, but um, it's not what um, it's not the be all and end all. And so we're just going to make sure that athletes have got that there's something else in their life that is, is value to them and others, and it's not just the sporting thing. Nigel, sounds, <coughs> sounds as if you've got things uh, pretty much under control, and uh, we wish you all the best for your uh, first endeavour as our chef de mission. It's going to be an exciting time. Um, I know that uh, you're going to be very busy throughout, but we'd love a chance to catch up with you at some stage going forward, and uh, hope for the rest of the preparations go well. Thanks for your time this morning. Really appreciate it. Yep, thank you, Ian. Appreciate it too. Yeah, cheers. Nigel Avery there. He has our chef the mission for Birmingham, uh, and that is coming up in 99 days' time. Some of those athletes will be getting mighty excited, and why wouldn't they be? Uh, subject for today, double eight, double three. That's uh, an interesting one, isn't it? Uh, who should coach the Black Ferns in your mind? Who should coach uh, the, the White Ferns? Who should coach the White Ferns? Who should coach the Black Ferns? Uh, have you got a thought in mind? Is Wayne Smith the natural successor? I don't envisage him being a long-term uh, a long-term coach, if uh, that's the case. Uh, see, for me, uh, anyone that comes in uh, well, can't possibly, uh, if they're new to the, that kind of role at that level, cannot possibly go in over the top of Wayne Smith and Sir Graham Henry, can they? Really? Can they? I mean, they're much more powerful figures in rugby. So what kind of person, what kind of candidate, who have you got any names in mind for uh, the Black Ferns and the White Ferns going forward in those coaching roles. Double eight, double three is our text number. 0800 150 811, the phone number. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Just uh, time for a couple of texts that have come in. Uh, Brad says, wait a minute, Smithy, what rock have I been living under? Cricket in the Commonwealth Games? Yes, uh, women's cricket. Uh, will be played in the Commonwealth Games, Brad. Uh, so uh, we've got that to look forward to as a brand, brand new sport. It was played, uh, men played it back in uh, Kuala Lumpur way, way back. Uh, I think around 1998 they played that. Uh, it might have even been a little earlier than that, but uh, Australia won uh, a gold medal in that. But now women's uh, cricket will be played at the Commonwealth Games. Yep, no problem there. Uh, great uh, and highly respected broadcaster Matt Buck has come in to me and said, uh, very good and very true, talking about the sermon, dollars will talk. And you're right, Matt, and uh, nice to hear you listening to the opposition a bit, mate, but 
Yeah, you're right. Absolutely, dollars will talk. They'll be massive, and they say they should be because every bit of controversy and every bit of pressure that's been placed on coaches from the outside uh, now with all sorts of added pressures, not just performance on the field, expectations off the, uh, the atmosphere and everything that you're supposed to do off the field and stay in favour with everyone, you need a bundle of money. You need an absolute bundle of money. You deserve it. You deserve the same kind of money a high-ranking CEO would get in this country. So when I talk about 300000 for the cricket job, bare minimum, bare minimum. Uh, more for the rugby job because there's just a lot more focus on it, it seems anyway. It is uh, 9.31 here on SENZ and uh, we will have some news now with Araha. Nice music, Logan, but what you've got to bear in mind is that the, the host of the show is actually on the pension now. Every now and then, you can you just play a bit of Vera Lynn or something of that nature? That would be nice. Meanwhile, the quest for the Larry O'Brien trophy has begun in the NBA playoffs. Uh, they're all over Sky at the moment. The ANBL will soon turn their attention to the finals as well. Uh, whilst here in New Zealand, the uh, NBL, the National Basketball League, takes to the court in a bumper season from next week onwards. Now, if you're a basketball fan, there's always something it seems to look forward to. And on the line with us now is NBL General Manager Hugh Bainon, who, of course, uh, keeps a close eye on that going over the, overseas as well. So, uh, Hugh, good morning to you. It's been a little while. It has been, yeah. Great to, great to talk to you again. Great Vera Lynn shout-out as well. Enjoyed that. <laughs> yeah, well, I at least remember it. Uh, Vera, so here we go, mate. The NBL gets underway <laughs> next week. Southland Sharks have signed an NBA prospect, Mojave King. So uh, what level of uh, skill can we expect this season from our NBL players? Really exciting signing yesterday, Mo King. Coming home. Now, a lot of people might not know this, but Mo is, you know, a New Zealander. Uh, So he comes in as a local player. He's lived in Australia for most of his life now. His father was the great Leonard King, uh, a Targa Nuggets import, American import, back in the day, and now Mm. uh, head of New Zealand High Performance. Um, so yeah, Mo's got strong links. He still is eligible for the Tall Blacks and, and hasn't really made a, a public decision anyway on, on whether he wants to play for the Boomers or, or the Tall Blacks going forward. So uh, that's a really exciting one on kind of a, a multitude of levels there, Smitty, because, yeah, we're going to get an NBL, uh, bona fide Australian NBL player here with NBA ambitions playing for the Sharkies down in Invercargill. Um, but also, from a national team point of view, maybe falls, falls back in love with the place and, and wants to put the black jersey on. Who knows? So um, really exciting signing for the Sharks. Um, we've got plenty more Australian NBL players still to be announced. So I've got to make sure I don't drop them uh, already. On top of the ones we already have announced, like Tom Vodanovic, um, you know, and, and, and those likes going forward. So uh, really exciting. Tahiri McCall announced yesterday as well, one of the imports from the Australian NBL. who's had a fantastic season. Um, I had a lot of texts last night from other players about him saying, oh, awesome, he's in the league. So uh, really exciting times. And, and on that note, last night the text started coming through from the uh, uh, NBL teams themselves saying that their visas are coming, have been approved for the import. So we will have a full complement of imports this season as well, which I can tell you two months ago I didn't think would happen. That is brilliant. 
the other great news is we're an orange. We're an orange, you. So uh, oh, we can yeah. have crowds. Atmosphere. Atmosphere. Yeah, it has been a uh, a roller coaster of an off season. You know, three months ago, we're, we're we're looking at a league of you know, very young, uh, promising Kiwi players, primarily all in starting spots. You know, we're absolutely nothing wrong with that. Love seeing our young Kiwis get out there. Uh, you know, potentially no crowds. Uh, potentially um, MIQ if we were going to get guys in from overseas. Right now, and I'm touching every bit of wood I can see. All of that is gone, and we're actually now looking. Uh, you know, at a largely uninterrupted, undisrupted season. Again, I don't want to tempt fate, but crowds are in. That's huge for our teams, you know, massive revenue stream for our teams, but also for the players just to play in front of crowds. That's what it's all about. As you know, Smitty, from, from your playing career, you know, imagine playing to no one. You know, it just wouldn't feel mm-hmm. right. So for for the fans as well to be there in their, in their home teams, you know, we've got such really well-supported um teams around the country so no everything is uh, coming together almost too well and i'm a little bit worried about what's around the corner but it's been a good couple of weeks of news in terms of coverage uh, the league looks like uh, for every game on sky sport i'm reading and perhaps a one game a week free to wear yeah every game live on sky sport uh, no game clashes this year so no games on at the same time so no tough choices to make um, and every Saturday night 7.30 game will be live on Prime. Uh, we're also, of course, on every game's on ESPN in the United States and in Puerto Rico, uh, and for Kiwis overseas as well. It's going to be available on FIBA uh, sites as well. So hopefully we've pretty much got everyone covered there, and you know we're getting a lot of interest from overseas, especially in Asia, about how they can tap into our broadcast market as well. So, yeah, no, things really looking up, and, and hopefully we get a lot of eyes on the league this year. Has it been a happy year for the Breakers? I think it's been pretty well documented to you, so we won't dwell on that side of things. But uh, uh, the season is almost done. Uh, what is uh, the likelihood of players filtering back in? Yeah, good. You're good. You know, we have, a, we have I'd say, you know, just off the top of my head, around 10 to 15 Australian NBL players coming back to play in the South NBL this year, which is great. Now, some of them still got to play the playoffs over there. Some of them don't. So some of them will be here for for game one, round one, the likes of Jack Salt, of course, um, and some of them won't be here until a few weeks in, like Jordan Nartai, for example, who's got some postseason commitments and stuff like that. So they are filtering in. Uh, they will be here, and they'll be here certainly uh, three or four weeks into the season. We'll have a full complement of them. Um, hopefully this is the last year where we have those clashes. You know, these have all been pandemic-based. Normally the Australian NBL is finished by the end of February, and then we start in April. So... Uh, here's hoping we get back to that normality next year. But I think it's been pretty well managed by both leagues this year and uh, and by all the clubs as well. And the players are excited to come home. You know, they like they like coming home. They like playing in front of their home fans and uh, and getting mums cooking again. So it's, it's exciting to see these guys back. And, of course, they boost the quality of the league. They boost the development of our youngsters. So um, it's great to see them coming home. Hugh, um, I'm not sure if you can do this with your very important uh tag as general manager but would you have um, a couple of sides to look out for uh, with the signings that you've seen well there's a, yeah, there's a couple of interesting ones out there you know you, you never look too far past the Wellington Saints you know won uh, seven of the last 13 championships you know never look too far past them and what I really like about the Saints so far is um, they've got you know what, whatever I'm calling a typically stats Wellington Saints lineup. but uh, you know apart from the imports that they're yet to announce they're all Wellingtonians which is just awesome 
you know, like, I understand some of the, the side eyes that were thrown back in the day when, you know, they're just pulling the best talent from around the country, you know, perfectly within the rules, nothing wrong with that. But now they're doing it and they're doing it from their home base. You know, Tom Vodanovich and uh, Jordan Nartai, Francis Mulverhill, they pulled over from the air, Kenneth Tuffin, all Wellington or Potadoa, born and bred. Uh, which is really exciting for those Wellington fans. So I uh, really like the look of them. And of course, the Hawks Bay Hawks, a fully Kiwi lineup. No imports coming in for the Hawks Bay Hawks. Whole stack of tall blacks in there from uh, Jared Kennedy to Daron uh, Rokawa, Ethan Rasbash, big Jack Salt. They've got that extra narrative of Mick Downer, who was fired by the Rams at the end of last year, moving up to Hawks Bay, the head coach, and taking three or four Rams with him. So that's going to be a real tasty matchup whenever the Rams meet the Hawks. So that's a nice little uh, narrative to look out for this year. Looking uh, just a little bit further afield, of course, we've got 99 days to go until the Commonwealth Games. We've talked about that already this morning. Three-on-three basketball. Uh, How is the New Zealand team shaping up for that? Because I believe you've got a, a World Cup just before that, and, uh, and there's an Asia Cup as well. So plenty of opportunities yeah. to finalise a combination. Yeah, it's going to be a great little tour of duty for those, um, you know, six to 12 players in the men's and women's who, who go on that tour. Uh, you know, both those teams qualified, qualified brilliantly for the World Cup um, just well, a month ago in March. Uh, and then obviously the Commonwealth Games that we sealed qualification last year. So it's an interesting... Um, you know, format of the sport, what I think New Zealanders are just getting used to and certainly got a lot more uh, eyes on it as being an Olympic sport last year. It's big on FIBA's books. Um, so, and it's great. And it really suits some of our, some of our younger players. Ella Fotu uh, on the women's side and the 3x3 tall ferns. She, she absolutely balled out at the uh, World Cup qualifiers last year. I expect to see her involved. Tiana Clark as well. And it might be a, a good reason for some of our, you know, maybe our bigger names who have gone further afield to come back and, and the likes of Kalani Purcell. And on the men's, you know, I don't see them looking too far past uh, what they what got them to the World Cup, you know, with Taylor Britt and, and Don Kelman Porto. So, uh, no, it's really exciting. I know that the guys and the, the girls love playing it. It's fast and it's furious. They absolutely love playing it. And uh, so no, I think it's exciting times for 3x3. Um, the Commonwealth Games and the, and the Olympics are just going to keep propelling it forward. NBA playoffs are uh, really uh, into the thick of it at the moment, Hugh. Uh, Philadelphia, the 76ers, 2-0 up uh, over the Raptors. Is that uh, the end of it, do you reckon, for the Canadian franchise? <laughs> this Every year, right? Every year I get the, these questions come my way. And every year you, you jump on one side only for literally a day later, your mind to be changed completely. Like if you ask me, you know, last night, who's going to win the NBA championships? Golden State Warriors. The way they, the way they played... Mm. Uh, you know, against the Nuggets has just been absolutely phenomenal. You look at them, you go, well, this is the Warriors of a few years ago, um, you know, but I know that's going to change. You know, that'll probably change uh, when those guys, when the guys get out there today, you know, the Phoenix Suns, if they, do, if they continue doing what they're doing, is it hard to look past them? Uh, in terms of the Raptors, I think, I mean, right now, my, my take right now would be probably yes, that 76 team looked really good. Joe Embiid, you know, picked up a bit of a niggle yesterday, so we'll be interested to see how far he plays going forward and if they need to overuse him to get past the Raptors. I'm sure they'll hopefully just get past them in four games from their point of view and be able to rest him for a bit longer. Um, but I was doing the Kyrie Irving uh, sign to Brian, the producer, of course, uh, while we were talking. That's a nice, there's always a bit of drama in the NBA, isn't there, and the $50,000 fine for Kyrie for flipping the bird at his old fans in Boston. Um, I love that kind of stuff. You know, I think it's what is really 
it kind of took me back to Carlos, Carlos Spencer, you know, or, or Mertz um, <laughs> back in the day. Uh, yeah, you know, when they did it to their opposing fans. So 50k, sorry, I mean, not going to miss 50k. Um, but uh, yeah, really, really kind of brings a bit of drama. And, and another thing, the beauty of it is they've still got a whole bunch of games left to play against each other, uh, the Nets and the Celtics. So uh, it's exciting. It's really exciting. The NBA playoffs, as it always is, and um, great drama. Great to have Stephen Adams and uh, Memphis Grizzlies right in the thick of it as well. They dropped their first game um, against the, the Timberwolves, so today's pretty important. It is really important, and you know this is um, you know Stephen Adams is fantastic. I'm sure you've spoken about you know the records he set in Memphis this season uh, and how he's led offensive rebounds and, and stuff like that. But this is a pretty tough matchup for for Stephen Adams. You know, Carl Anthony Towns is a more modern style of centre. Um, compared to uh, Adams, you know, he, he goes out, he shoots a three, he had a fantastic game in game one. So really interested to see, and this is what I love about these multiple game series, is how the coaches and the teams now adapt the way they play, um, playing the same opposition, you know, over a week or two. So really interested to see what they do with Carl Anthony Towns, the Grizzlies, and, and how they guard him going forward. But um, I still think that you know only one only one nothing down well within uh, well and still in the series though he's hoping I think we're all Grizzly fans at the moment if you if your number one team's not in the playoffs like mine hasn't been for sixteen years. <laughs> hey, look, uh, I'm not sure how far your GM budget takes you, Hugh. So I'm not sure you'll get to the NBA playoffs this year, but mm-hmm. um, you may well go to the opening tip off between the Delson Giants and SENZ's Otago Nuggets. Will you be there as GM? I will be. In fact, I'll be there with jewel hats on because I'm commentating that game as well. Um, so, because oh. uh, I live in Nelson, so obviously it's just a five-minute walk down the road for me. So, I'll be me and Phil Jones will be with Mike in hand for all the uh, the great Phil Jones, all the Nelson Giants games. So, yeah, next Thursday night at the Trafalgar Centre, the Giants against the uh, the Otago Nuggets, who have got the radio the radio buses behind them, which is fantastic, and have been a real coup for for basketball down in Dunedin. Um, and that's going to be a great game. You know, they've got, like I said, they've announced that big, uh, big import into Tahiri McCall and Keith Williams. So they've got some good imports coming in. Big Sam Timmons will be back from breakers duty as well, uh, playing for his hometown Nuggets. You know, against the oldest team in the league, the Giants, who are, who are again a pack full of local, local talent with a couple of imports to come. So two of the, the real heartland teams in, in basketball full of local players. So it's going to be a really fun one to, to get us underway live on Sky Sports. Great time for basketball, really is, Hugh, and thanks so much for adding to it uh, for us this morning, uh, your update on uh, across all those three competitions. Thank you, uh, mate, and uh, good luck with the start of the season, eh? Thanks, Millie, appreciate it. Yeah, cheers, Hugh Bain in there, of course, uh, and uh, he explained all his roles to you there, I don't have to, uh, but right in the thick of uh, basketball going on around the world, and particularly here at home with the start of the NBL as general manager. Yeah, Nelson, what a lovely place to, to live, what a lovely place <coughs> to be born, actually, it's 9.47 here on SENZ. Your local Polaris dealer today. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. And in conjunction, too, with our great friends, Polaris, uh, they've got shiploads of vehicles arriving every month. So just uh, pop down to your, your local Polaris dealer. Still waiting for the old Polaris general to front up outside the driveway, but uh, I shall be patient. I shall be patient. Uh, I don't think they can be too patient, though, in terms of uh, appointing the uh, Black Ferns women's rugby coach. A couple of suggestions have come in this morning. Uh, Kieran Kite for Black Ferns coach. Uh, Kieran Kite associated with Canterbury women's team in 2018-2019, uh, and anyone associated with that side knows what success is because 
Uh, they pretty much ruled the roost there for quite some time, didn't they? Uh, so Kieran Kite has uh, one suggestion. Chris has come in and said, uh, G. Henry and W. Smith uh, would have almost zero experience with women's rugby. Alan Bunting from the Blackfern Sevens and Chiefs Manawa has a lot of experience and success too. Yes, Alan Bunting is a name I'm hearing quite a lot about. So uh, maybe uh, a, a couple of suggestions in there. We've got a call coming up from Dean. We're going to take a short break with some ads, Dean. And if we've got a moment, we might uh, uh, have a chat to you or perhaps put you back uh, after 11 o'clock, buddy. Um, we've got pretty tight schedule going in and out of the 10 o'clock news. In fact, Dean, we're speaking to one of your great mates, Andrew Mertens, after 10 o'clock. It's 9.53 here on SENZ. Driving every month. Visit your local Polaris dealer today. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. You got to know when to hold up. Know when to fold up. Smithy's multi. Know when to walk away. And know when to run. Bet live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today. Actually, we've been successful. Uh, we got one up uh, late last week uh, when the Atlanta Hawks got up and won a game for us. We were, we were holding on for that one, and it got up. So we, we won that one. That was Thursday. Uh, yesterday, we won as well. Golden State Warriors thumped Denver. Uh, gee, they were impressive, and that's with limited minutes for Steph Curry as well. Uh, Royal Challengers Bangalore beat Lucknow quite convincingly uh, in the IPL, and West United got up to beat uh, MacArthur last night as well, about 91. So we got that one up as well, $4.26. So today... Uh, we'll go for four options, get a bit greedy, but uh, I like it. Uh, the Memphis Grizzlies, Stephen Adams to beat uh, the Timberwolves at a buck thirty-four. The Punjab Kings to beat Delhi tonight in the IPL. Uh, Coco Goff to beat uh, Katsina in uh, the AT, uh, latest WTA event. Uh, that's uh, at a buck forty-two. And in the same event, Elise Mertens to beat Peterson at a buck thirty-five. Multi all those four options up, you get to four dollars fifty-seven. Memphis Punjab Kings, Coco Goff. Elise Mertens, $4.57. That is our multi for today. Uh, we've got uh, a really cool guest coming after the 10 o'clock news. Not the ones we've had already haven't been cool, but this is Andrew Mertens. Legend, legend of New Zealand rugby. And uh, we might just get his opinion on the Crusaders as we also look forward to Super Rugby Trans-Tasman coming up this weekend. 10 o'clock, here's Ottawa. Polaris has shiploads of vehicles arriving every month. Visit your local Polaris dealer today. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Yes, it's mid-morning too, 10.03 here uh, New Zealand time. But it's breakfast time uh, in Australia where Andrew Mertens will have just finished his uh, 10k run and has come in, uh, probably sweating profusely, have, have a shower and then tuck into his cornflakes and then head off to work. That's the way I see it anyway. Uh, the great Mertz is with us now as uh, we look forward to a weekend uh, which introduces a new form of uh, rugby or is it an old form again in super trans-Tasman rugby. Look forward to that. Uh, Mertz, good morning to you. Uh, how, how are things tracking for you in Australia, mate? Nice to talk to you, mate. I am sweating. Um, it's nothing to do with running, obviously, but finally we've got the sun over here. We've had about three months of pretty constant rain and... Uh, a few warmer days just at the end of summer, so that's quite nice. So, as you know, I've got a fairly low tolerance to heat being from the South Island, so struggling a little bit at times, but no, chipping away over here and looking forward very much to, to heading down to Melbourne uh, tomorrow morning to, uh, to start prepping for the Super Round, which will be fantastic. Been looking forward to this for a long time, not just the Super Round, but the fact that 
New Zealand and Australian teams uh, will be playing one another, and obviously the island teams will be playing one another in a proper competition. So uh, it's very exciting. And you're not getting the trip across. No, not this time round. We're just sending Marshall. We kind of figure Marshall and Mertens together again. Nice little reunion there would be good. So uh, it'll be it'll be the old combo there. So look out. Uh, you won't have to look out for him. He will, he'll be the well, guy with the... Shooting uh, our mouths yeah. off together on Sunday. I think we're, we're on the Crusaders <laughs> Rebels commentary together. Now that won't be biased at all, will it? <laughs> no, not a, not at all. Hey, let's start on your, your old mates, the Crusaders. Uh, I, I imagine you uh, had a... a sort of a, a bit of a browse at the game against the Blues. What did you make of that? Awesome. Just love watching it. I love watching the, the games coming in from New Zealand. I mean, they're at a good time over here. It's sort of five o'clock latest. So it comes on before the Aussie games. Um, and uh, just fantastic. I mean, obviously disappointed for the Crusaders, but uh, I mean, those sort of results are always good for the competition. You know, 2004 since the Blues have won down in Christchurch. So it's a big moment for them. And the footy was just, as, as you guys all saw, it was frenetic and, and fantastic. The skill mm-hmm. level was amazing, the speed of it, and, you know, the, the game's just going down to the wire are fantastic. Crusaders have had three weeks in a row of it. You know, they've had to yeah. um, defend against the Highlanders and the Hurricanes in the last few minutes, getting everything thrown at them. They, well, you know, Boot was on the other foot in the weekend and didn't quite get there, but, uh, no, fantastic from the Blues and... Good to see Barrett and Moonga eyeballing one another. You know, the two premium fly halves up against one another and both went well and, and, and great to see particularly Barrett and, you know, getting sort of back to his full form after getting a head knock and, and getting some space and some freedom and being involved in everything that the, the Blues did well. Mertz, will that, that type of game, that exhibition that we saw uh, last Friday night, will it? Will that have sent a message to the Australian teams or, or will they fully be aware of what's coming? Oh, I think they've, they've been watching the games for a few weeks. I mean, they've obviously been focused on one another. It's, it's a slightly different game over here. And um, we found last year in the Trans-Tasman that the Australian teams actually attacked a lot better, scored more points and looked more fluid than they did when they were playing against one another because I think the defensive systems over here, that it's like the defence uh, has a bit of an easier time in Australian rugby um, nullifying the attack and I don't think that happens when you're playing against New Zealand teams so you know New Zealand teams like the, the, the fast game and, and quick ball and everything like that and I think Australian teams look at that and think okay yes they're incredibly dangerous from everywhere but also it means there are opportunities for us if we get turnovers and if we're you know accurate so I think that's the the main challenge for the Australian teams is the accuracy of the passing and, and getting the ball movement getting the ball into space because there is plenty of talent around They've played for you know probably a couple of decades now. They've really focused on a, a really hyper-structured game, believing that that was the strength of the Brumbies from back in the day. Now, the Brumbies were very organised, but most of their strength came from fantastic decision-making from the likes of Gregan and Larkham and Rod Kafer and Joe Roth and that lot. You know, So it's been a bit misunderstood here, but as a result, you know, the last two decades, like I say, there's just been so much structure and organisation. They're very good at that here, but... I don't think it helps them sometimes when the game breaks up, and that's where New Zealand rugby has been so so strong and ahead of the rest for years. So, you know, I, I, I like to think that the Australian teams will launch and, and just have a go. They need, they know they need to make up points. Um, you know, the, the likes of the Reds and the Brumbies will be giving it everything, and they've got lots of talent throughout their teams, lots of Wallabies across both those teams. The Waratahs are stronger this year as well. So, you know, I don't think it's going to be a walkover. Do I think the Australian teams are 
overall going to have better results against the New Zealand teams? No, I don't. But um, I think, you know, they'll, they'll give it a good crack. Pace, physicality. I wrote down the two Ps. How does it compare? How does it compare? Will they get a comeuppance from the outset? I thought there might have been notes for, you know, coming on to talk to me, mate. <laughs> pace and physicality. <laughs> pace, of, pace of the mouth is about it. Um, yeah, that, 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 that probably is the key. But, but, but similarly for the New Zealand team, they're, they're probably going to find the games a little bit tighter than what they've been used to playing against one another. So that brings its own challenges in terms of, you know, not, not forcing things a little bit too much and, and making too many errors and giving away the ball. Because, you know, the Australian teams, when they get the ball, they can't hold on to it for a while and, and, and frustrate the opposition. So, you know, there, there will be challenges. Absolutely, pace and physicality for the Australian team, but also I, I think the skill level and the ball movement is, is going to be their challenge. And I think for New Zealand, just um, just playing that slightly different game, being a bit more circumspect at times, you don't want to completely go away from your instincts, obviously, but um, they just got to be, be mindful that, that Australia will probably try and slow down the game and go, you know, a little bit more to set pace and... Uh, and, and be a bit more structured with their play. So it's it's shapes this pretty intriguing weekend thing, uh, you know, first time these teams are all playing against one another. Yeah, I'll, I'll get on to a couple of the matchups shortly, Mets, but one of the things that's been very concerning over here, I'm not sure if it's <coughs> just because of this year or, or there's something different in the water, but discipline has been an issue everyone's been talking about on Monday mornings. We've had a lot of cards over here, and uh, a lot of them are for... Uh, points of contact, shoulder on head, etc., like that. Is it something you've been seeing over there as well, or not to the same extent? Yeah, mate, absolutely. It's been over here, I think. And I've got to be careful here, Smith, because you know what I've been like about referees mm-hmm. over the years, and it is a it is a tough gig. There's a lot of things to look at, and I don't think there's a lot of consistency at the moment. That's probably the one accusation I would always level at the referees that there hasn't been much consistency. And there seems to always be a bit of a condescending attitude towards the players, which I don't like. But that's by the by. Let's move on from that. Um, it's hard to get consistency because a lot of these actions, when you slow them down and, and the slow motion replays and, and stuff, they look a lot worse than what they are. And it looks like the players got a lot more time to make decisions. So I don't think we're we're using a lot of common sense in a lot of these decisions. But What's obvious is we is we just do need to start targeting a lot lower in the tackles, and that is for safety. And, and to ultimately, I think it's going to going to lead to a much better um, spectacle for rugby because you know the lower the tackles you get, the more you'll get offloads and continuity. Um, the, the the more you're likely to get just attacking teams being able to go forward a little bit easier, rather get nullified and just stopped really quickly in their tracks, which which leads to a a bit of a dogfight at the breakdown and, and a slower game. So I think ultimately it's for the good of rugby if we just get, get players targeting a lot lower. And they've only got themselves to blame if they are genuinely going in targeting too high. But in saying that, some of the decisions that have been made, like Matt Tuomua got a yellow card uh, a couple of weeks back when the, the player actually slipped and, and lowered himself massively going into contact. Tuomua had set up to hit pretty low and he ended up hitting high and that was just a, a, a bit of an like it was seemed idiotic um, that, that that didn't take get taken into account so I don't think the referees are very good at determining mitigating factors and I think we're starting at the wrong point I mean that's a whole other conversation though Smitty I could go for a couple of hours on this and I'm sure you don't want that but I think we're starting with the result and then trying to work out if there's any mitigation whereas I think if, if 
if at any point you see that there's mitigation because the players slipped, accidents are going to happen. And I think if we start at that point rather than starting with the result, then it's going to be a lot more, there's going to be a lot more common sense in, in, in the outcomes that we're getting. You know, without a doubt, it's uh, red cards not as bad on a team these days because you only miss them for 20 minutes and stuff, and, and they're just a lot more widespread. So there's not kind of a stigma around red cards anymore. I'm not sure whether that's a good or a bad thing. The teams are learning to deal with it, and you know what? If it's one way to bring teams down to 14 and 13 men and create more space on the field. So uh, ultimately, maybe it's a good thing. I don't want to see people getting injured and stuff, but uh, what, I just think we've got to address the fact that it's not particularly consistent. I don't think there's a lot of rugby common sense going into a lot of the decisions at the moment. Okay, can we just uh, move? So I've, got, I've put a ring around three games I'd, I'd quite like you to just to touch on. Um, uh, there's a double, an interesting double header on Friday to launch the whole deal. Chiefs Waratahs hasn't been a sparkling season by any stretch of the imagination for the Chiefs. Uh, but the Waratahs, are they still a bit of a whipping boy scenario or are they on the improve? No, they're, they're on the improve this year. Um, probably just a bit of a stronger roster. Firstly, I've got a, a few players who are, um, I think, standing up a little bit more in terms of the senior players. They've gone most of the season without... Um, Michael Hooper, he only just started his first game last weekend, so they've been going alright, they've got the likes of Jed Holloway, who's leading things up front, um, they've got a good scrum, uh, they've got a really good midfield of Fichetti and Caressi so um, we saw a little bit of that last last year, but that, that combination has really developed a lot better now as well, um, they've got a, a three young fly halves competing for that spot there, Edmed Donaldson and uh, Harrison, and, and they're all going pretty well as well. So they're getting getting better ball. A lot of the younger players in the squad who had their first season last season, it was a pretty tough one. They've come through that sort of adversity, having learnt from that, and so they've improved as well. So Waratahs have definitely improved. Are they in a position to challenge someone like the Chiefs? Well, if the Chiefs are in the sort of rampant form that we see uh, patches of now and then, I don't think so. But um, mm. it is going to be an interesting one as well because, you know, they're... they're they're big blokes, the, the Waratahs, and they have the potential to, you know, lock down the game quite well as well. So, no, pretty interesting. It's, it's, I don't think that'll be one-way traffic, but you just never know with the Chiefs. They can tear anyone to shreds, can't they? Yeah, and I, they can. They can if they get in the mood. There's no doubt about that. I'll tell you who else. Uh, we've just seen them for uh, half a season, but if Moana Pacifica get in the mood as well, um, they'll... Uh, they're quite, they can be likely as well. They've picked up a win. I think they've gone a little bit better than a lot of people anticipate, and they're up against the force. And I, I think this is quite a nice little uh, barometer game for me, just to see where their development is at. Yeah, it really is a good one, because the force, what, what they've certainly got is they've got a lot of heart. They've got a lot of tenacity. They hang in games right to the end. Um, a, lot of it, a lot of it doesn't look pretty, but um, they've... Like I said, it's the best way to describe it. They've got heart. They can't come in under the radar like they did a little bit last year, and they got some really, really good results. Made the playoffs over here last year. I think just partly because of the fact teams didn't quite respect them as much as they should. So you do have to respect them because, like I say, they're going to stick in it for 80 minutes and uh, just keep swinging. So um, they look really don't have probably the firepower where you'd expect them to, to challenge a team with the talent of Moana Pasixta. But they do do things as a team. They've got a lot of cohesion and, um, yeah, just basically guts it out. So it is, a, it is a big challenge for Moana. I would think if Moana has a good game, they've got the, the firepower to, 
yeah, track through the, the force defence um, and, and with some continuity make it really hard for the force. But it is going to be a, yeah, a really, really interesting uh, match-up some of the year on. Uh, and I like uh, the other one I, I really stands out for me is against the Highlanders who have played some pretty good rugby but have not had a lot of things go their way and not a lot of points to show for it uh, against your top dogs, the Brumbies. I, I like that match as well. Yeah, so do I. And it'll be... They've got a really good history. It's an interesting game, that Highlanders-Brumbies game. That's going back 25-odd years. The, the battles that we've seen, particularly across in Carisbrook in the old days, They've, they've just got a really good history of, of matches, these two clubs. So, um, the, the Brumbies tend to start really well. Um, they're really organised at the start. They look the goods. They look a million dollars. So they'll, they'll hit the ground running for the first 20, 25 minutes. Then they've tended over here not really to go on with it. They haven't really put teams away like maybe they could or should have. So they've got so much talent right through the back line, basically full of Wallabies, although they're missing a couple at the moment. Tom Banks is still out with a a broken cheekbone, but they've got a lot of talent in the back line, but like I say, just it, it's like they, they start off with a hiss and a roar and then just muddle through it a little bit, and I think just the, the unorthodox play of the Highlanders will be you know, probably yeah, it's going to be a tight game, but I, I think if the Highlanders you know, play a decent game, they can get there, but um, it certainly wouldn't be a turn up if I think it's the uh, lowest New Zealand team at the moment, only on the results, as you say. They've been a bit unlucky. They've been close on so many occasions. The Highlanders, that Crusaders result was a good example of how their season's sort of gone. Just not quite there, but so close. So, you know, if they were to tip up the, the sort of Australian top dogs or equal top dogs, that might be quite interesting. So there's another interesting game. I mean, I keep saying it and sitting on the fence and saying it's just going to be an interesting game, but it really is. It's going to be a hell of a weekend. Busy, though. I mean... Oh, these players only have to do one game, but you got the broadcast teams, you know what it's like, Smithy. It's pretty gruelling. You've got to get down mm. there and cover sort of six yeah. games. It's tough. <laughs> I know, mate. And it, it, you know, the fact that you're only going three days in advance, uh, you know, it's such a long journey for you, too, is quite interesting. <laughs> well, you just got to work out the logistics <laughs> for post match. Where's the closest place just to go and decompress straight away afterwards? I'm, <laughs> I'm anticipating Sunday night will be a good old catch up with uh, with Marshy. I think Mills is across as well. So um, I am yep. looking forward to that. And it's like I say, it's just nice to get that the competition back to a, a sort of a full competition again. Look forward to your call, Mertz. And uh, as always, appreciate your, your time on the show this morning. Go well, mate. Enjoy the right. weekend. We certainly will be from, from over here. Yeah, cheers. Cheers, mate. Cheers, mate. Andrew Mertens. Thanks, mate. Yeah, absolutely. Andrew Mertens there, one of our greats, of course, and uh, doing uh, his best to uh, work in Australian TV and uh, certainly ups the quality of what they present, doesn't he, uh, with his foresight. It is uh, 10.19 here on SENZ. We have a panel next. Uh, Looking forward to talking to this morning, Jamie Wall and Alex Chapman. Has shiploads of vehicles arriving every month. Visit your local Polaris dealer today. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. And the panel this morning consists of uh, Alex Chapman from News Hub and... Uh, uh, entrepreneur, I should say, and um, master of a, a lot of things too in Jamie Wall, particularly uh, rugby and cricket. Love his thoughts on here. And Jamie, I'll start with you this morning. Uh, uh, we're talking, uh, running out of time here. Last time we spoke, Glenn Moore was the Blackburns coach. Now he isn't, of course. We've got a fine one. Any ideas? Uh, good morning, Smithy. Good morning, Chatters and everyone else. Um, 
Yeah, good question. Um, because last week, yeah, obviously Glenmore still had a job, but um, you know there were already rumblings that you know that might change in the future. Um, the, the first and most logical name that got sort of put out there was Alan Bunting, who was the coach of the Blackfern Sevens team. And while on the surface that made sense, uh, if you think about it. It's it's probably not as straightforward a pick as you might think. I mean, Bunting did keep, coach the Chiefs Manawa team to a win in Super Rugby Okahi, but that is the only top-level first uh, 15 aside team that he's, he's ever coached. He's only ever coached sevens, and yes, he has a lot of experience with women, um, but then again, so did Glenn Moore. He, in fact, he won a World Cup with the Blackfans. So, you know, if you're looking at people who are qualified for this job um, in terms of working with women, and who have 15-a-side experience, there's not that many candidates out there. Um, we obviously have all the, the, the guys from uh, who coached in Super Rugby, Opiki. Um, but one name uh, that was, I did see an article about this morning um, from Mark Reason, uh, which, which may pop up and may actually cause a bit of a, an issue if he, in fact, does take over as the assistant coach, Wesley Clark. Uh, who coached the Hurricanes Power in Super Rugby Opiki and was an assistant on last year's tour. Um, he is, of course, the husband of uh, Farrah Palmer. Um, and, you know, he, he is probably a guy who would, uh, if, if now, now that Glenmore's going, and I understand uh, his assistant John Haggart uh, is going as well, so there would be a natural promotion for Wes Clark to move into that role. Um, there probably should be a couple of questions asked about, uh, you know, just the the amount of nepotism that is involved in in that coaching setup. So, yeah, other than that, it's not exactly like there's a bunch of people banging down the door to take that job. Mm. So here's an interesting one for me too, Alex, because I think it's becoming a, a matter of urgency for this particular World Cup coming up. So do they make an appointment for six months? In other words, say to someone like a Wayne Smith or a Sir Graham Henry, you've got the role, but it's only a six-month role specifically for one purpose, the World Cup, or do they appoint for longer term, Alex? Yeah, morning, Smithy. Morning, Jadab. Um, I think that's why Alan Bunting will be a part of it. Obviously, he stepped down by being of being the Blackfern Sevens coach because of those demands of tour and the World Series. Um, the fact that it is a home World Cup, he can spend some time with his family. Wayne Smith's already there, already understands the system. From what we understand uh, at News Hub, what's been reported by our rugby reporter, Ollie Ritchie, is Sir Graham Henry's going to have a bit more of a hands-on role than initially was planned. But as you say, there's a home World Cup later in this year. It's not like they have a mountain of time to establish a, a new style, um, to build a new culture and to develop a brand new team. So it's kind of get whoever you can in there as quickly as possible, but make sure that they are the best option. Okay, let's uh, let's look at then um, at their sisters, uh, the White Ferns. Uh, we've had the World <laughs> Cup. It's uh, been a while. It's been a while. I haven't heard a peep out of uh, New Zealand cricket, to be fair, with their replacement coach. Yeah, I, I think that's a similar um, issue with them is they, they want the best candidates, but um, they also want to get it done as soon as possible because let's not forget that, that that cricket is returning to the Commonwealth Games and that's in, what, just over three months' time from starting. So a lot of pressure within New Zealand cricket. From what I understand, they want to reward those within their system. So that's someone like um, a Craig Cumming, who's had fantastic success with the Otago Sparks, obviously has a really good relationship with Susie Bates, who is 
an important voice within that changing room. Um, Jake Oram's obviously spent plenty of time with the White Ferns and was helping uh, Bob Carter with that kind of head coach role towards the end of that World Cup. And the other one, if they do want a, a female head coach, which from what I understand is the preference with New Zealand cricket, is, is Joanne Broadbent, former Australian player, uh, coached New South Wales over in Australia and has been with the Northern Brave here. So, yeah, they they also don't have much time, to be honest, Smitty. They, they they also they need to get in as soon as possible, but they need the right person, whether that is within New Zealand or whether they look overseas. Lisa Cately is another one, the England coach. Um, it's, it, it, they're running out of time. They need to get this done as soon as possible. They start going overseas, um, Jamie. They're going to have to spend some bucks because uh, it's a pretty big market out there and uh, there are a lot of jobs available. And if you want your particular person... Uh, you got to pay some some serious money these days, uh, whether it's uh, a male team, a female team, or whatever. Um, so, and that's something New Zealand cricket haven't wanted to do too much over the years. No, you're right. Um, and I mean, I have to be honest. I see. I've been on record on the show before as saying that I don't actually really know what a cricket coach actually does. So, I mean, I, I think that there is. A possibility here, um, given the novelty factor of the Commonwealth Games and given how badly they bombed out in the World Cup, there aren't going to be a lot of expectations on this team that they could go for a short-term appointment, um, perhaps someone high-profile, uh, you know, whether they actually want to splash out on someone like Brendan McCullum or someone from the IPL perhaps, just to kind of get a few more eyes on that team, um, much in the same way that Wayne Smith and Graham Henry are, are, are getting a few more eyes on the Black Ferns and their towards their World Cup later in the year. But like you said, it, it involves money, as does the Black Ferns job. Um, and whether the governing body actually wants to put their hands in their pockets, well, that's, that, it all kind of depends on that. You should have a beer some stage, Jamie, with Ian Chappell. You and him with cricket coaches, I think that would be a hell of an interesting night. We shall, we shall, t- we shall t- uh, he's of the belief, of course, that coaches take you to the ground and take you back to the hotel so you can have a drink. That's about as far as he goes with cricket coaches. But uh, I think you're on the same wavelength. Uh, we're going to take a short break for the news here on SENZ, and uh, when we come back, some other issues to deal with. Here's Harawa. Uh, Jamie Wall and Alex Chapman uh, with us uh, this morning. Uh, just hearing on the news there from uh, Aroa, Alex, that uh, the Warriors have signed Mitch Barnett for three years, which means they've signed uh, a guy with a fairly checkered, uh, what should we say, um, disciplinary <laughs> past? Yeah, cue the headlines, NRL bad boy signs with Warriors and, and the outrage on social media and shoes. Uh, He's a good player. There's no doubt about that. It offsets the loss of you and Aitken. I just want Fords who are going to actually go forward and allow those exciting backs that the Warriors do have to entertain. The issue with Barnett is he just needs to stop going to the judiciary. And a lot of the times that he is going to the judiciary, it's for issues that could have been avoided. It's for dumb actions. I think it's half a dozen times in the last five or six years that he's had to go to the judiciary. So... Um, you, you want that to be avoided. You hope that the Warriors can kind of drum that out of him. But, you know, hopefully the likes of Cameron George um, have really looked at him and what he can bring to the table and that it can only really be a positive thing for the Warriors because they're starting to build a fantastic squad for, for 2023. So what this year to worry about this, Smithy? It is. It is another thing for Cameron George to mull over, um, I would imagine. So... Uh, here we go uh, this weekend, uh, Jamie Wall, and we have got some super rugby trans-Tasman style. 
we just spoke to Mertz. He expects that the New Zealand dominance will be pretty much to the fore again. Is, is that the way you're thinking, or can you see a surprise packet or two? Yeah, I really enjoyed that chat with Mertz, and he, he definitely made some good points there. Um, I, I, I think that, yes, the New Zealand teams will, will probably dominate if they play well, um, but I, I certainly don't think they can just show up and expect, them, uh, expect the Aussie teams to just roll over. And I've certainly seen enough out of at least the Hurricanes and Highlanders uh, so far this season that if they show up with the wrong attitude, they're going to get beaten because that's, that's what's been happening. To, uh, that's what happened to the Hurricanes against Hawaiian Pacifica in a game that they should have won by a lot. And uh, the Highlanders have only managed to win one game. And worryingly for them, they are just finding it really difficult to score points. Uh, so... I've seen enough out of the Australian teams to think like, well, you know, they're not, they're definitely not as good as the New Zealand teams. They're going to struggle against the Blues and the Crusaders and to a lesser extent the Chiefs. Uh, But I think that they would probably be eyeing up the other three, um, including Moana Pacifica, as definitely winnable games um, because the... The, uh, they all need to rotate their squads. Um, they're going to be away from home. Um, and also, the other big thing is that the rate that everyone's getting themselves sent off and suspended, uh, they, they're going to be all missing some very good players, as the Crusaders are. The, the Crusaders are going to be missing the captain um, for the next, what's it, five weeks. Uh, so, you know, th- there's enough bits in there to, to let me uh, believe that there could be a, a few upsets on the cards. Uh, and for you, Alex? I'm intrigued to see how the Aussies combat that free-flowing physical side of, of rugby that Moana Pacifica bring to the table. And Jamie's bang on. If, if those Aussie teams can turn up with the right attitude, then the likes of the Highlanders and the Hurricanes can, can be you know, staring down the barrel of potentially being upset. Same with the Aussie teams, though. If, if they don't come with the right attitude, Moana Pacifica can turn around and upset them, potentially. We saw... The Fijian Drua beat the Melbourne Rebels in the preseason and then beat them in the actual competition. So how how will the Moana Pacifica boys go over there? Bearing in mind, they're actually yet to really have a proper tour together. Um, This could do absolute wonders for them. Their coach, Aaron Major, has talked about how their culture just continues to grow the more time they spend together. Well, if going across the ditch on a plane, you're not going to have a better opportunity than, than that. So go Moana Pacifica. Go on top of some Aussies for us. I think they will. I think that their level of physicality, and I think they might have been keeping their powder dry in the last couple of weeks just on this basis, Jamie. I think that of all the matchups, I think for me the Moana Pacifica ones, I think are going to be some of the most interesting spectacles. Yep, you did right. And I think that in the majority of their games at least, Moana Pacifica's biggest... Uh, enemy has been themselves. They've been on the wrong end of some shocking penalty counts. Um, they've had guys put in the bin at, at crucial times, um, and they've they tossed away a very winnable game against the Highlanders uh, a few weeks back and ended up losing by by 20 points uh, in a game that you know they they were right in uh, at half time um, and then gave away 10 penalties in a row. So if they can just get the rule book out at training uh, or, or something. Um, and just just improve that stat, they're going to have a really, really good chance against these Aussie teams um, because I think, you're right, the style clash is going to suit them quite well. One of the things that uh, just struck me, I was just 
cast my mind, something about the America's Cup uh, crossed my mind uh, the other day, and I was thinking to myself, that iconic piece of commentary, uh, Jamie, going back uh, to the, the, the great PJ Montgomery, and the America's Cup is now New Zealand's Cup. Is it New Zealand's Cup anymore? Oh, absolutely not. Um, I think it's been turned into a, a sham. Um, I have zero interest in it. I haven't um, for a while now because, I mean, just even as a sports fan, I find it, I found it dead boring um, to watch the last two editions. I think it peaked as a spectator sport uh, when they were in San Francisco, not just because of the class of boat that they were racing, but the way that that whole thing unfolded. Obviously, Team New Zealand were on the wrong end of that. Um, but since then, it's just been too hard to watch. I'm just, I'm just not interested in it. I think Grant Dalton has shown himself to be, uh, you know, a real, uh, I mean, it's the words I want to use to describe him, I can't really say on the radio. Um, and <laughs> it just, y- yachting in general has just given itself a real black eye just over this hosting thing. Um, and and I just, I just can't get enthusiastic about it. So no, it's not New Zealand's Cup. Um, I, 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 I honestly, I, I'd, I'd love it if someone just went back in there with a the sledgehammer and smashed the crap out of it again. <laughs> okay, well, that's uh, at least you've, you've stayed on the fence on that one. That's cool. What about you, Alex? <laughs> I'm gonna just watch him climb the top rope and observe. Uh, I think there's always going to be. <laughs> Some <laughs> some sort of public interest. I, I was driving into work yesterday, and that's about a eight ten minute drive, and saw three people in separate groups wearing Team New Zealand jackets. The, the issue I've had with it in the last few years is the fact that um, a they insist on their sponsor being included in everything from marketing campaigns to the Helberg's finalists list. And the fact that that um, sponsor in question isn't even a New Zealand company in the form of Emirates. So that's what's kind of tarnished for me. The, the, the real shame with Team New Zealand is they're now being painted with this, this brush of negativity, which is a shame because, A, we have that, that fantastic history. Obviously, as you mentioned to me, the, the, the beautiful calls of PJ Montgomery over the years. Um, and there's some, some really good human beings as well on that boat, the likes of Burling and Chuke. Um, have done wonders for this country. You have to wonder, though, at what stage does the America's Cup become like Formula One? And we've, st- we've seen it with SailGP with the likes of Phil Robertson, who a uh, New Zealand sailor, went and sailed for the Spanish team last year and then is sailing for, I think, the Canadian team for the upcoming um, SailGP. So at what stage does it become that? For now, though, I think there will always be some sort of New Zealand engagement to the America's Cup, but that's just more to, to do with history than what's actually happening at the moment. Uh, early in the week, uh, fellas, we had a, a bit of a poll as to um, your favourite sporting event, um, and, and I just wonder uh, if I gave you tickets, I gave you option of tickets to something to start this weekend or, or finish this weekend, Jamie Wall, what would, what would be the one thing you would like to go and see if, if you had uh, the availability of tickets and flights, etc., this weekend? Oh, that's happening um, this weekend? Uh, I mean, I no, do no. like the idea that, of the no. super... Oh, just anything. Yeah, do anything. Anything in general? Um, oh, well, yeah. I, I my, my, my mind goes straight to the Hong Kong students. Uh, I've, uh, I've been there before, and it was easily uh, the best sporting event I've ever been to, mainly because you could buy a super jug full of any sort of liquor you wanted uh, combined with anything else you wanted. And... Uh, 
all for the low, low price of about forty New Zealand dollars. So I would, if, and they have a KFC in the stadium. Um, so I, <laughs> yes, the Hong Kong Sevens and you boys are coming with me because oh. it's great. It's, it's absolutely yeah. Yeah, you got me on those products. I tell you that I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. Uh, Alex, what about you? God, you really sold it, Jamie. You should get a, a job with World Rugby on you know, their commercial team. Uh, I, I was like you, really lucky enough to be in Melbourne for Boxing Day Test a couple of years ago. And, and while the result didn't go the Black Caps way, I still think that was um, one heck of a trip. And, and to be honest, a lot of the time with sporting events, it, you know, it's going to go really cheesy and emotional here. But it, it's who you're with. Um, and, and I think as long as you're with good people and you're having a good time, then you can probably go to any sporting event and enjoy yourself. So, go on, Hong Kong Sevens, you're in charge of booking tickets, Jada. All good, bro. I'm cool. on it. Okay. <laughs> it's unanimous. It's unanimous. Uh, fellas, thanks very much for your time this morning. Jamie Wall and Alex Chapman, been fun. Enjoyed it. We'll have uh, another panel uh, tomorrow morning uh, around about the same time. It is uh, coming up. In 43, and uh, Dino, I think there's a little window. You've tried a couple of times this morning. I think there's a little window for you to have a chat to us uh, after the break. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. And it is uh, 10.48 here on a Wednesday morning. And don't forget, on a Sunday morning from uh, 11 o'clock to 12 o'clock, so and it's an hour-long show, uh, Greyhound Racing New Zealand's Dog Speed is on. It's hosted by two legendary Greyhound men, and uh, Mark Rosanosti and uh, Andy McCook, of course. Don't miss a beat with Greyhound Racing. Get you up to date with uh, the Greyhounds and uh, what's going on uh, from the various kennels around the country. So uh, that's between 11 and 12. News coming through um, last night that Ronaldo was not going to play for Manchester United uh, against Liverpool. They had a Premier League match uh, earlier this morning. Uh, they missed him. Uh, of course, he's not playing because the the death of uh, his uh, unborn son, which was uh, very, very sad indeed. Um, and so uh, not able to play, and uh, everyone could understand that, of course. But uh, Manchester United got an absolute pastings from Liverpool 4-0. So that does not improve their position on the, the table at all. They were fifth, looking to try and chase down uh, Tottenham Hotspur, uh, perhaps trying to get into that uh, top four spot for uh, Europe, but uh, that was not the case. So uh, they got hammered 4-0. Fulham beat uh, Preston 3-0 too in the championship. Um, uh, and what about this uh, story This uh, story that came through yesterday too from, um, from the UK where uh, the Netherlands men's cricket coach, Ryan Campbell, who was just in this country, what, three weeks ago? Uh, coaching the, made me less than that, two weeks ago, coaching the Netherlands against the Black Caps. Uh, and it's a bizarre situation, just 50 years of age, 50 years of age, um, uh, is reported to be in a coma now after suffering a massive heart attack uh, whilst playing with his kids in a, in a playground. Um, uh, just it's absolutely bizarre. On the back of Warren, Shane Warne dying at the age of 52. Uh, and this is a teammate of Shane Warne's, actually, around about that time. He was a standing wicketkeeper when Adam Gilchrist had other things to do was taking time out himself. Uh, Ryan Campbell came in as a, a uh, wicketkeeper batsman and played actually with Shane Warne on that side. Incredible. He played for West Australia for a long, long time, played to just the two one-day internationals, Ryan Campbell. So we wish him all the best. Uh, troubled times there, not good at, at all. Uh, 50, 50 on the back of a 52-year-old. What's going on? What is going on? It's 10.51 here on SENZ. 
Polaris has shiploads of vehicles arriving every month. Visit your local Polaris dealer today. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. The loveracing.nz update. Your home for everything thoroughbred racing. Visit loveracing.nz, racing's biggest fan. It is 10.56 here on SENZ. Louis Herman Watt joins us uh, on the phone. Not sure if he's heading down to Matamata, maybe not. Uh, did enough damage in Cambridge, I hear, on uh, last Thursday night. Uh, but they are racing at Matamata, Louis. Uh, and we've both got a horse of interest in the ninth. But uh, what about the fields in general? Good? Yeah, I think the fields are good. Smithy. I think the Waikato has had enough of me for a long time. So um, I, I won't be gracing the... <laughs> the plains of the Waikato for a while. Um, race five, I mentioned this morning, is a really interesting one. Good fillies going around here. Mille Fiori back, uh, Nom de Plume. Uh, we've got Has to Be Fast for Marshy, Madame Moet, Electrica for the um, uh, Stephen Ortridge and Chris Shaler team. So that's a really nice race, and I think Mille Fiori is an each-way price. In race number four... There's an interesting runner, You Can't Touch This, which has been moving in the market all morning. It's for Robbie Patterson. Now, Robbie Hannum, the Pope has come up from your way, from the CD to ride this Woo! one. Um, so, what does that mean? I don't know. She's trialled up huge. She was really a really easy trial winner back on the 12th. She's got a good draw. I'll be watching that one closely. And the other one is Neighbourhood. Now, Leith Innes wasn't booked to ride this horse right up until about 20 minutes ago. It wasn't showing on the TAB website, but last start, Neighbourhood absolutely blew from near on last after missing the start again. If Leith can get Neighbourhood out of the gates, this is race four. This is going to be a ripping race. And my best of the day, well, we're going head-to-head, Smithy. I thought Dizey was a lovely chance, but all the money's coming from your, for your one, Avondelay. Yep, I'm looking forward to that race, actually, later this afternoon. And uh, I've taken a note of all those investments too, Louis. We'll catch up tomorrow morning uh, with a view to what's happening this weekend. Uh, also, of course, of interest today is Greyhound Racing today. We're joined by Pip Morris from uh, the TAB. And it's Palmerston North Action today, Pip. Good morning, Smithy. It certainly is. Just a nine-race program today. So smaller meeting, I think, with all the Easter uh, racing around. Not as many dogs, but much to look forward to. And I really like a dog in race seven a big time flame drops out of a higher grade into a box that really suits and it's at $13 so I think if anyone's looking for a roughly play today race at number 7 there at Palmerston North the 6 is worth a go and back to Matter Matter of course $25,000 guaranteed late quaddy guaranteed $10,000 first fours to look forward to the heats on the racing side of things for the sports side of things been a nice multi on the basketball $10,000 on the Phoenix Suns to win at a dollar eighteen, as well as a thousand dollar multi on Miami, Memphis, and Phoenix, all to win today to return just over two thousand dollars, and a one thousand dollar five leg multi with two legs already in on the NRL. Tigers beating the Eels, Wigan beating Wakefield, and the last three legs are the Sharks, Panthers, and Storm to win this weekend at around six thousand dollars. And don't forget about that same game multi, three legs or more. If you miss by one leg, you can get a bonus back in your account. So heaps of game this weekend, buddy. There is plenty going on. Pip, thank you so much for that information. Uh, it's coming up 11 o'clock here uh, on SENZ, and we've got Storm Purvis after the break with Netball. NZ.
Polaris has shiploads of vehicles arriving every month. Visit your local Polaris dealer today. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Yeah, 11.03 here in the ANZ Premiership. Netball has welcomed back fans now that we're in orange. What great news that is. Uh, there's some big games uh, over the weekend and the competition continues to ramp up as teams fight to get healthy again and make up for lost time. Of course, they've been ravaged, some of them, with COVID as well. While the Mystics and the Steel uh, sit atop the table, uh, the Stars and the Pulse not that far behind. Uh, well, in fact, the Pulse are, are just one point behind third. The Stars have got a bit of ground to make up, but... Uh, they're getting there. They're getting there. And someone who has loved every minute of it, uh, commentated a lot of it, uh, run her, her eye across uh, pretty much every pass, uh, has been Storm Purvis, of course, uh, former uh, Silver Fern, uh, host of SENZ's uh, Netball Centre Pass as well. Sky commentator, my God, you're a busy girl. Do you know what? I think this has been up there with the busiest week of my life. I'm a real yes man, like I just say yes to everything and I never regret it as such, but I kind of look at my calendar and I'm like, oh, yep, okay. Good thing I love netball so much, Smithy, because you're right, I can talk about it all day and that's what I'm here to do. <laughs> yeah, well, we've got 20 minutes worth of uh, Storm Purvis right here and now as we uh, look at uh, one of the features of last weekend's, of course, was uh, the Southern Steel looking pretty good uh, and knocking over the Mystics and what event, uh, effectively was a, a top-of-the-table clash. Yeah, I mean, I heard you, you were kind of introducing the table there at the top, Smithy, and it, it's a bit hard to read into at the moment because, yes, the Stars have some work to do, but they've only played three games thanks to COVID. The Mystics mm. and the Steel have played six. So we will definitely see that table um, be shaken up quite a bit over the next few weeks, so keep an eye on that. But you're right, in terms of form, I think Mystics and Steel kind of were looking like um, that being you know, worthy of a top-of-the-table clash. And it was fantastic to see the Steel get the win. Um, you mentioned crowds were allowed back in the stadiums, and we all know that Stadium Southland is nicknamed the Fortress for good reason. Um, I think they, you know, it's so cliche to say, but I really think they were the eighth man for the Steel in that match on Sunday. And um, just way back in round two, uh, last time these two teams were in Invercargill, the Mystics beat the Steel by 20. So a really outstanding turnaround from the Steel, and um, it's something that they're becoming incredibly known, known for doing, um, just being able to really shock teams when it matters and, and get up when it matters. They were playing for the Georgie Salter Memorial Trophy. It was mm. their captain, Shannon Saunders, 150th match for the Steel. So... They just have a knack of getting up for these big occasions. And um, I was down there working on the game, and it was fantastic to be back in the fortress supporting the steel. Central Pulse, uh, they really look like, uh, for I saw the, the latter stages of that match, and it was almost as if they were in cruise mode. That was comfortable over the Magic. Yeah, look, the, um, the poor Magic are in a bit of a state at the moment. Um, they're really struggling with that wing attack position and, and we talk about sometimes in netball wing attack kind of being your playmaker, your first five quarterback if you will in a, in a team and at the moment the Magic just don't have um, a solid option in that position and it's really showing out on court. The Pulse, to be honest, even though they, they did win that game by about 13, I think they won't be too happy with their performance. It was a bit scrappy and I think you um, pointing out that they were in cruise mode was probably a fair uh, assumption there and not something you really want at this stage of the season. Um, good on them for getting the win, and they are still looking like a mighty fine prospect for the finals. But if they are going to play like that against the likes of the Mystics or the Steel, then they might be in for a bit of a shock. So 
that was probably the ugliest game of the round. Um, but, you know, across the court, the pulse are just so strong. And if they can keep their seven together, they are ones to watch out for. Well, the Stars, of course, as you've pointed out, have been so affected. Uh, they haven't really got any momentum into their season. But um, they are, as you say, um, with what you've seen so far, trending in the right direction. Yeah, absolutely. And I think they are probably the team that has been hit the most by COVID. Um, they've now got four games in 11 days to try and make up for the fact that they have missed out on so many games in the round. So they've got a hectic couple of weeks coming their way. Um, but I spoke to Kitty Wills on Centre Pass last night um, on the show, and you know she's actually quite excited about it. They're a fit team. Um, Kiz is known for being a hard taskmaster and setting those standards um, in terms of fitness in her side. And she thinks the team just needs momentum. And they had a great win against the Tactics over the weekend. They're playing the Tactics again tonight, which will be an interesting match, a little midweek netball fix for you all. So that'll be great. But um, if they can come out of these next couple of weeks without any injuries and with at least three wins, then, yeah, um, for me, it's Stars Pulse Mystics at the moment. Um, It's a bit early to tell. We haven't seen enough of the likes of the Stars to really know if they're worthy of being up there, but their roster is strong, and the three games that they have played, they've, they've played really well. Is that the same Kerry Wills that suggested on Centre Pass last night that uh, perhaps you should suit up for a milestone game coming up for the Stars? <laughs> is that the same, is well, that the same Kerry Wills? That's the same Kerry Wills. She was my coach when I played my 99th game, I guess, for the Stars. Um, and when the season got called off, thanks to COVID, I was about to play my 100th that weekend. And she was just really gutted for me. She's such a great coach in the way that she cares so much about her players um, as people. And she's really, really emotional. So she's been saying that for years, Smithy, that she's going to get me out there and it's going to happen one day. But look, I think we've been, I feel like we've been talking about this for like three weeks now. I just need to put it to bed. It's yeah. not going to happen. How cool is 99? Okay. That's a cool story, right? <laughs> how, what about what, I, what I've always thought about is uh, as a, now you've become an analyst uh, and, and to some degree a critic how you'd go getting back on that court with the level of sledging and the ribbing that would be going on directed in your, you know, your way there would be a lot of it I think I was um, quite young when I retired so a lot of the girls I was playing with and, and are now good friends with are still playing out on court um, to Pius Elby Rickett who plays for the Tactics She's a shooter, so she would be my direct opposite. Um, she really, really gives it on court. So there was a game floated about where I might have suited up for the Stars against the Tactics, um, and I'm glad that that didn't end up happening because, yeah, I'm not too sure how I would go. It's been a few years. I'm not as fit, can't jump as high as I once could, so she probably wouldn't need to say anything because she'd just smoke me on the court anyway. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, t- talking of comebacks, there was a, a, a comeback of sorts with uh, Jess McLennan making her return to Elite Netball. Uh, Watson's doing her ACL back in 2018. That's a cool story. It's a really cool story. She's actually done both her ACLs, her left and her right, and she snapped an Achilles uh, throughout her netball oh. career. And she's probably been retired for about four years now. Um, and, of course, she was Jess Mould back when she was playing. Um, was a part of the Silver Ferns wider squad. Didn't quite get her cap, but has just been a real sort of servant to Canterbury Netball once she moved down there from the north. Obviously, the Moulds name up north is a, is a strong one. So um, she kept in the tactics. She's obviously stayed fit because she looked incredible 
Um, she's had two kids since then and came on and played really well. And I think we've seen a few kind of fairy tale stories like that. Obviously, seeing Liana Debrain return for the Magic a few weeks ago at the ripe old age of 40 something. Um, that was incredible. So all these girls that are doing it, Smithy, I think um, after watching them come out there and play amazingly, look amazing and just be so fit and fast, I'm pretty happy just to take a seat on this one. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, well, you'll be taking a seat on a lot of action this weekend uh, and there's a heck of a clash looming uh, on Sunday uh, between the Mystics and the Stars. And that is a game that I will be calling. So I'm stoked when I, I was stoked when I found out that I'd been put on that one because two of my old teams, I've played for both of them. Um, the Battle of the Bridges, we call it, is always a great game. The girls really, really get up to that one. Um, a lot of them are ex-teammates. A lot of them grew up playing against each other and, you know, with each other throughout Auckland club and school systems. So it's always a really great game. And for me, two teams that are, you know, um, high up there in terms of form, and their rosters are both super, super strong. And I feel like we haven't seen them play in such a long time against each other. So I am absolutely looking forward to that one. Hot news off the press. Apparently there is a bit of COVID um, running rampant down in Invercargill. So it's sounding mm -hmm. like the two steel games will not be going ahead this weekend. Um, so keep an eye wow. out on that news coming your way shortly. I believe, which is a real shame because just when we thought we were all done with this, it's now the Steel's turn, yeah. And they were important games too for the Magic, weren't they, to get uh, some, something back into their season? Well, exactly, and the, and the Steel are a team that the Magic um, were probably targeting, to be honest, in terms of player-to-player player on their rosters. Um, yeah, the Magic will definitely be gutted about that. At the same time, gives them an opportunity to go away and just get some really good training in, uh, figure out their... their I guess starting seven, find out who their wing attack is going to be and, and give them a bit of time to sort that out. So some silver linings there for the Magic. Okay, Storm, uh, can I ask you about a, the Australian competition that runs uh, over there at the moment? Are you able to keep track of that? Do you know what? I, I usually do, and I'm going to start when I just have a little bit more time in the day because with it being a Commonwealth Games year, obviously I've got a lot more interest in how the Aussie teams are going and what's happening in that competition because I want to see how the diamonds are going to be shaping up. Um, but I struggle with the competition slowly because they have the two-point rule over there, which is obviously not a thing in international netball and not a thing we do here. So um, I watch it when I need to, uh, but it's not my favourite competition in the world. Um, but in saying that, I do need to stay clued up given it is a Com Games year. So, yeah, I will be firing up my Spikes Board account to watch that one for sure. And that's one of the reasons I asked you, because it's uh, 99 days today until those Commonwealth Games begin um, in the Birmingham area. Uh, and I, I just wonder whether we're solving any problems or so, solving any selection issues, etc., as you look on to our comp. Yeah, it, it's a tough one at the moment because we've got a few players, key players, out with injury. Um, Jane Watson down at defensive end, uh, she's leaving a huge hole in that circle. But uh, luckily for... Dame Noling Toto at Kelly Jury is on absolute fire. I think she's been MVP for the Pulse just about every week in this competition. So she's going to fill that void that Jane Watson has left, so that's very exciting. Um, the other one we're kind of sweating on is Amelia Anikinasio down the other end of the court. She's just returned from having her second child and has slowly been mm. working her way back to full game pace. Um, and I believe she played 
her first full game of the season for the Magic over the weekend. Obviously not a great match to kind of judge how she's going um, off just yet, but there is 99 days to go, and, you know, Meals is, has been a Silver Ferns captain, and she's one of those players you'd almost think that even if she was on one leg, Daniels would probably still select her. So I will be keeping an eye on her progress over the rest of the season. Um, our midcourt is always looking pretty solid. Um, it just feels like we haven't played international netball in so long. So the Com Games is going to be a really, really interesting watch. And leading into that, Storm, did I hear that there's uh, some sort of um, a lead-up sort of tournament or lead-up opportunities for, for Dame Nolan to get things in order? I'm not 100% sure if anything is totally being locked in to the calendar just yet, but I know what um, Dame Knowles and the selectors are doing this year is running a trials camp. So instead of just selecting a team based on their ANZ premiership form, as the Ferns have done in the past, they're actually holding a week-long camp where they will run lines and different combinations and have full-blown trials, which is really interesting and uh, probably not a bad move, um, I think, in netball these days. We're seeing the importance of combinations and also the importance of being able to use anyone off your bench at any time. So to see how different players play with um, different pairs in the defensive circle and the shooting circle, I think that's going to be really important for Knowles and the selectors. So there may be some players selected in this Com Games team that may not have had the best ANZ Premiership season and that might confuse a few people, but it's all about combinations and who can do the job that is required when needed so again another you know selection that i'm really interested in and um yeah it'll be fascinating to see who steps up at these trials and who gets the call up yeah that's a uh, long time since i've seen trials being that, that quite uh, influential <laughs> know, in right? international <laughs> yeah it is it's quite crazy hey listen we're, uh, folks we are listening to storm purvis and uh from four o'clock this afternoon i'm led to believe we will be listening to storm purvis again on the run home with uh the all-rounder, the greatest all-rounder of the station possesses in Ricardo Ball. That's a, a really cool combo. Uh, and what uh, can you give us a preview to what you might have on this afternoon? Do you know what? I absolutely cannot give you a preview at all. I'm going to waltz in at about 3 o'clock, to be honest. And Manaya and Ricardo are going to sit me down and say, right, we're talking about this, this, this and this, and I'm just going to have to go with it. I'm, I'm sitting in my Crowd Goes Wild office at the moment trying to get a show ready for tomorrow night, and I'm... I'm all over the show. I know we'll be talking about sports, Nivy. Is that good enough? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's cool. I, I think that's not a bad option, actually, uh, to be fair. So, uh, Storm, uh, we'll let get back to the, C, uh, the crowd goes wild, CGW. Uh, then we look forward to hearing you today uh, later on on the run home. Good luck with putting that show together. Uh, look forward to those games of netball over the next long weekend coming up this weekend. Thanks for your time this morning. Fantastic. Thanks, Nivy. Cheers. Uh, Storm Purvis there, uh, of course, former Silver Fern and very busy lady, media personality with uh, so many shoes uh, to wear at the moment. It seems so many hats to wear as well. Uh, 11.18 here on SENZ. Uh, when we return, we shall have uh, highlights, headlines. I keep calling them highlights, but headlines from around the world with our producer, Logan Swinkles. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
It is time to go around the world with the sporting headlines on SNZ Mornings with Ian Smith and producer Logan Swinkles. First of all, Smithy, uh, interesting one coming on Twitter here, Phil Gould uh, and the Bulldogs. Uh, last night he said that they used 22 players in their first six rounds and this week the club struggled to name 24 players who are available. Now this morning... He is saying, get this, COVID and injury issues at the Bulldogs this morning. Players have been sent for PCR tests to confirm their RAT results. We'll be applying to the NRL for exemptions to fill our player quotas for the trip to Brisbane. The world these days, he says, the world that we live in, Smithy. Ah, the Bulldogs, eh? Well, they're having a bumper season, aren't they? I'd be looking... Uh, it, it's a bit hard. It's a bit early in the NRL to hide for the Bulldogs. I mean, but um, I would imagine this uh, this is fairly bona fide stuff uh, coming from uh, Phil Gould. So who's there? the man to fix the, the job there, which he's not been able to do, but uh, certainly making some excuses there behind the scenes. So uh, I hope that doesn't have an impact. If it's true, I hope that it doesn't ha- have an impact on the NRL as it has to other competitions. Yeah, um, I'm, I was just sort of hoped, I was hoping we were past that, but maybe not. Well, I guess we'll see. Uh, I'm with you on there, Smithy. Uh, the Broncos and the Bulldogs are at the moment scheduled to play Friday night, but uh, watch this space. Also in the NRL, sticking with Australia across the ditch, of course, the whole Kalen Ponga contract situation has been just a total, total mess. Uh, the farcical negotiation, uh, as news.com.au have called it, on Monday night saw the Knights branded a basket case over an accusation that Knights chief executive Phil Garner had not been telling senior figures, including coach Adam O'Brien, about updates in the roller coaster saga dealing with Kalen Ponga's contract extension. That situation then took several more dramatic turns on Monday with the Daily Telegraph uh, standing by its report that Newcastle had taken the extension offer off the table. Now, rumours have been previously suggested, Smithy, that Ponga's dad, Andre, who was acting as his son's unaccredited, unaccredited player agent, is at the centre of the breakdown after a dispute with the club about how the three-year extension would be announced the New Deal reportedly would see Ponga earn $1.1 to $1.2 million per season beginning from 2025 through to the 27 season. Now, SCN's Jimmy Smith uh, believes that power struggle was resolved when Andre Ponga apologised to club figures, saying it's back on the table because of Andre's actions yesterday. The deal is to be announced very shortly. Really, it's the case of the Knights putting their foot down and saying, we are in control of this club, not you. I don't know if it's just me. Uh, I think contracts have been such a big issue uh, this season already. That, uh, I won't say they've dominated play, but they've been right up there with them particularly with, uh, the, of course, the Dolphins coming into the market and trying to set up their, you know, the first season of their franchise. It just seems contracts are, have been a big one. And then again, of course, today we hear the scenario where the Warriors have just signed Mitch Barnett for three years, mm-hmm. uh, and a noted bad boy, a, a guy that's had regular appointments for, uh, with the disciplinary tribunal. So, um, you know, they, they, they just seem to be in the, in the news all the time, the transfers in the NRL. Oh, especially with the Australian media, Smithy. NRL 360, it's their bread and butter. It's what the Daily Telegraph live and die by. Uh, Going across to the States now with Major League, well, Minor League Baseball, actually. Uh, Talking about pitch clocks. 
the, impl- the implementation of those has shaved 20 minutes off game times, dramatically speeding up the pace while not having a detrimental effect on scoring, setting the stage for Major League Baseball to bring it into the season next year. Over the first 132 minor league games that included a 14-second clock with the bases empty and an 18-second clock with runners on and penalties for pitchers and hitters if they run afoul of that, the average game time has been 2 hours 39 minutes when typically a game can go closer to 3 hours. So... Interesting to see something like that implemented next year, Smithy, helps speed up the pace of the game. I already think it's a great game to watch, but perhaps this will make it better. Yeah, I like that. I, I really do. And I, I think that's a hell of an initiative, and it's just trending the way that sport's going these days. Everyone's looking for an abridged version of, of, of a game in, in particular. Now, the, baseball hasn't got an abridged version, but they're looking, they're making uh, you know, genuine efforts to try and get the game just to keep its momentum going. It always... Baseball's one of those games, that, and like a lot of American sport, it's governed by breaks, um, and, and that, of course, is uh, due to advertising, revenue, etc. Uh, but it's also, uh, because of the number of uh, innings it has, uh, there's a lot of changeover, there's a lot of downtime. Anyone that's been to a game of baseball will know that entertainment at the ground is primary because of the amount of breaks that they have. And then, of course, you do have, uh, as the game goes on, all that bullpen action, and that's another three- to four-minute scenario as well. So I, I like it. I mean, I like the drama of baseball. I love the way it's covered and it's so beautifully pointed out to you. It's, uh, I mean, if you just went and sat down on a game of ca- uh, on the couch and said, I want to watch a game of baseball uh, and I want to try and learn as much as I can, I think it's the one sport you could learn very quickly about. And it's certainly it's uh, heavily governed by statistics as well. So uh, I like it. I like that. And I can see that filtering through because quicker is better in the sporting market these days. Um Speaking of better, you're going to have to be better uh, to th- this morning because I feel quite confident about stumping Smithy today. I- I've just got that feeling. You know, you get your feeling in the water every now and then that you're going to do it. I, I think I-, I I think I will, uh, and that'll. It's only fifty bucks today, but I'd love to bump it up for say uh, 150 bucks uh, for the long weekend coming up, the Anzac weekend. So uh, that is your job today to get on the phone 0800 150811 um, and uh, make the lines uh, light up, which they already are. And uh, have a crack at us. It's uh, 11.30 here on SENZ in the morning, courtesy of Polaris. Time for some news. Ian Smith's had a good match here. Stumped by Smithy. Ian Smith really is top class at his job. All right, batter up. It's time to get stumped on SCNZ Mornings with the voice of sport, Ian Smith. And as you just heard from the man himself, he's feeling pretty good about this today. Joining us at the crease, we have Jason from Auckland. Come in, mate. Hey, how's it going? Good. Hey, how are you feeling about today? You liking your chances? Oh, yeah, I haven't even heard the categories yet, so I wouldn't even know. <laughs> we'll see how we go, mate. Uh, up for grabs today is a $50 TAB bonus bet, plus some Sleep Drops Daytime Revive. Try New Zealand Sleep Drops for all ages, lifestyle stages, and sleeping challenges. Always read the label and take as directed, sleepdrops.co.nz. Now, the categories for you today, Jason, are New Zealand at the Commonwealth Games, cricket, and super rugby. Take your pick. Uh, I do love cricket but I think I'll get killed on it so I'll go with super rugby <laughs> to be honest mate you never know you might get killed on super rugby too <laughs> alright here we go know. I don't know Yeah. good luck to you Jason good luck okay first question 
Super Rugby. The New Zealand teams are heading to Australia, so today's questions are all about the Aussies. First up, who is the highest point scorer of all time for the Brumbies? I'll go with Stephen Larkham. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. No, over to you, Smithy. Sterling Mortlock. Just a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. I love how excited Brian gets when you stump. Okay, sorry, Jason. Uh, Craig from Tauranga, come in, mate. You're up. G'day, how you doing? Good, mate. Oh, I love Tauranga. That's my I'd hometown. Have, I'd have got that one wrong. <laughs> I'd have gone Larkin as well. <laughs> no, that's fair. But, okay, you're in it, mate. Question number two. Who was the inaugural captain for the Queensland Reds? No, um, yeah, I, I don't know. Um, I haven't got a clue, so I'll have to pass that one over to Smithy. Smithy, over to you, mate. John Eels. One of the worst things I have ever seen oh. done on a cricket field. No, I, I believe John Eels was the third captain in line. Tim Horan, 1996-97. Of course, wow. these days he's part of the uh, Stan Sport commentary team uh, for Super Rugby. So, hey, you're still alive, Craig. On to that third and final question. New South Wales Waratahs have won Super Rugby title to their name. Who was the sole try scorer for them in that 33-32 win over the Crusaders? What year? Got a year? Oh, it's 2014, sorry. 2014. Okay, um, there you go. Yeah, that, well, that kind of... Uh, I'm just trying to think who was in their team back then. Um, yeah, oh, geez, I don't know. Um, no, I'm going to pass that one too. Sorry, Smithy, it's not the best. I would have chosen Commonwealth Games. But anyway, yeah, no, I haven't got an answer for you. <laughs> All right, hey, there's always tomorrow, mate. There's always tomorrow. Craig, Smithy, over to you. Oh, look, I, I'm going back. I'm racking my brains as well. Um, Waratahs. Back about seven years ago, eight years ago. Um, I'm just wondering if it was too early for Michael Hooper. Um, I'm just uh, can't really come up with someone um, uh, alongside that. Uh, I'll, I'll go. I'll go, Michael Hooper. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. I got it now, but that was only because Google helped. <laughs> oh, I like your honesty there. Not. Hooper, it was Adam Ashley Cooper. Two tries. All right. Bernard okay. Foley did the rest with the boot. So, not a stumping today, Smithy, unfortunately, but I know there's going to be one this week. There's got to be one coming into the long weekend. Uh, Craig, hold the line, mate. You do get the $50 TAB bonus bet to your account, and Brian will get your details. Cheers. Thanks a lot. Yeah, well done, Craig. Uh, a regular correspondent to the show, so don't begrudge Craig uh, getting a, a few of the bickies this time around. And just a point of on, uh, point of order here for you, producer Logan Swinkles. You can't say, when you're looking to play stump smother, you cannot say batter up. Batter up is baseball or softball. Batter up, baseball, softball. When you play cricket, you you take strike uh, or take guard, right? So you know you can't say batter up, right? You just can't do that. Okay. Point taken, Smithy. Point taken. <laughs> but it's, it's just, it's, look, it's a baseball thing. It's a baseball and softball thing, better. Or maybe rounders as well. 
Maybe you're going back to your primary school days when you played rounders, but if, if you played cricket, I mean, you'd just be... I mean, Lords would just not have you. You'd be thrown out of the MCC with that kind of jargon coming into our sport. So there you have. Lesson, that's it. If you only learn one thing today, Logan Swinkles, you've learnt that. And I don't want to hear batter up tomorrow. All right, it's 11.37 here on SENZ. Uh, just a chance for a couple of texts before we go into uh, the midday hour with Staffy as well. Uh, we'll be back shortly with some news of uh, a really good opportunity too from Bailey's, New Zealand's number one rural estate real estate brand. Every month, visit your local Polaris dealer today. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Well, it's time for Bailey's Property of the Week, and uh, this brought to you by Bailey's, the number one r- rural real estate brand for New Zealand. And for today's uh, Bailey's Property of the Week, we have the uh, pleasure of introducing to you 376 Clark and Denise Road, a centrally located riverfront farm brought to the market by Peter Kelly and Carl Davis of Bailey's in Hamilton. Now, this private piece of paradise is situated in the close-knit community of Pukekawa, just 10 minutes to the expressway at Mercer. It features majestic views over the Waikato River. The well-developed property comprises 245 hectares, more or less, has good scale and is held within five titles. The lands consists of cropped river flats, with the balance being easy to rolling contour that is currently utilised for sheep and beef finishing units with stock numbers comprising of 3,000 lambs and 400 bulls. Over 60 hectares is under crop rotation, which includes a balance of maize, regenerative crop, shikari and pasja, uh, some of which is either sold or kept for your own use. There's an abundance of recreational appeal with plots of picturesque native bush, kanaka, a meandering stream and established pine plantation as well. The stunning three-kilometre river boundary is an oasis few have the chance to live alongside and is a fantastic playground for family and friends with water sports and recreational activities right on your doorstep. Improvements include a tidy one-bedroom cottage, four-bay implement shed, a disused cow shed, tapati cattle yards and spring water supply. So get in quick. This sounds fantastic, doesn't it? Uh, for sale by tender closing on the 5th of May. Not too far away. This is a real solid investment opportunity that is sure to impress. For more, visit baileys.co.nz forward slash 231 3217. I'll repeat that, baileys.co.nz 231. It's forward slash 231 3217. Or certainly get hold of either Peter Kelly or Carl Davis or both at Bailey's Hamilton Branch. And that is your Bailey's property of the week as i say every week just six numbers and a, a bonus away from being in the tender for that particular one uh, okay we've had a, a number of uh, issues to talk about this morning i started off uh, by talking about uh, coaches for uh, the black ferns and the white ferns because we haven't seen them yet um you know we know glenn moore's re- resignation was just less than a week ago but they've got to move quick they have to move quick and i wonder whether they were expecting them and whether they go, um, they've got two options for me in terms of the style of coach that they pick. Do they just say uh, the World Cup is one thing and it's just six months away? Do we design our coaching team for this one project, the most important project uh, that these uh, ladies will ever perhaps play in? 
a home World Cup. So um, do they say, right, for this particular project, which is so vital to everyone, do we just design everything because it has to be a short-term fix here uh, around that? Now, you've got a couple of candidates uh, that we've had come in this morning. Alan Bunting uh, is one that's been uh, suggested as an already successful coach, of course, with the Sevens, but has had limited 15s experience. Uh, I've had a couple of texts come in about Kieran Kite. Now, Kieran Kite uh, coached the Canterbury uh, Farah Palmer Cup team 2017, 18, 19, 2020. He'd coached the Southland Black Ferns team 2019. Also coached the Black Fern Development Tour to Fiji 2019. Has a great reputation amongst the women's game. Uh, would love to see him in the frame again. So Kieran Kite, uh, and that with that kind of resume, looms as a, a real possibility. The other thing to look at, I suppose, is whether you just say uh, to Wayne Smith um, and, and you just say to Sir Graham Henry, it's your baby. It's your baby. You know how to get teams ready for World Cups. There's no point putting anyone in over the top of you because your reputations, etc., Will it be exceeding theirs because you've uh, been so successful? Do they just say or offer Wayne Smith and Sir Graham Henry the coaching options? And, and uh, I agree with Sir John Kerwin uh, and put in uh, some female coaches, uh, fledgling female coaches for uh, development purposes to get, the se- to get to see how you prepare for teams at the very best level. And, and then, of course, you uh, have the opportunity to perhaps apply for the job after post-World Cup. Uh, expectations at the moment are that the Black Ferns uh, probably uh, are not going to be the favourites and the favourite two teams to play if they won the World Cup uh, from this situation where there's uh, what we understand to be quite a bit of turmoil if, if we uh, read the headlines and believe the headlines um, it would be an amazing achievement an absolutely simply amazing achievement for them to be able to do that so uh, in terms of that um, what do you think about those things? Perhaps it's something we can talk about more tomorrow. You might want to talk to Staffy about that uh, this afternoon. Wayne Smith, Sir Graham Henry, with a couple of uh, uh, female coaches who are uh, on the improve and, and looking for them to get experience to learn uh, exactly from the best what it's like to prepare teams for the very best occasions. I don't think that's a bad idea because appointing a head coach right now uh, to go in over the top of those two consultants uh, any head coach, I would think, would be find that a fairly intimidating environment to go into. I have it um, on reasonable authority that they had a, um, a like a coaching clinic. They had a get-together not long ago, and Wayne Smith was very, very proactive and, and quite dominant in the way things unfolded there about preparations, fitness, uh, attitudes, um, plans, etc. So uh, that's not surprising. I mean, they call him the professor for a good reason. He knows probably the best in the world at, at knowing that kind of thing. So... Um, that, that's one concept. In terms of uh, the White Ferns uh, coach, um, are we in a situation where we look uh, to go overseas? That is something I, I hadn't really considered. We were talking about Joanne Broadbent and Craig Cumming perhaps being the two leading candidates to take over the job that has been vacated uh, by Bob Carter. Uh, one, um, they would have to pay a, a lot of money, I think, um, to any of those candidates because it these two roles uh, are now becoming super important. They're much, much more important than they used to be even months ago because of uh, the profile that's associated with it, with the responsibilities, not just in terms of performance, but uh, the social side of coaching uh, high-performance uh, sports teams. Your obligations to meet the cultural aspects of it as well are much more uh, demanding now. And I think for that reason, I think as a candidate, you have a right to 
demand more money. Uh, I'm not quite sure what um, uh, Ian Foster gets. I'm not saying that the coach of the Black Ferns should get what Ian Foster gets, but the gap will be closing, and it should close pretty quickly. Uh, and it would be the same, I would imagine, for the White Ferns as well. Anyone coming in to coach the White Ferns should be expecting a salary well in advance of uh, 300000 for me. I'll put a figure on it. Over 300000 It's about six k a week. So I'd be thinking it's a 24-hour uh, job, seven days of the week. You've got responsibilities on and off the field. Uh, and then, of course, it's 52 weeks of the year all around the world. And I don't think $300,000 is, uh, is anything like a poor way to start. I'd be asking for a lot more than that, and uh, I hope the applicants are. So they're just my thoughts on it. Um, do you go short-term for the Black Ferns uh, and then long-term after the World Cup, or do you go, um, you know, do you, do you just turn around and say, bang, this is our coach going forward? And regardless, uh, regardless of the performance in the World Cup overall, the coach is in for quite a period of time. Interesting. Uh, Staffy might have some thoughts on that leading into midday. It is 11.51 here on SCNZ. It's Tyre Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Tyre Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit tyrepower.com.au now.